What's up, listeners? Welcome back to Predator vs. Movies. I'm Alex. I'm Peter. I'm Aaron. And this is a podcast where we discuss and review the latest movie releases. We're going to start off with a non-spoiler review before diving into a deep discussion of the film, and then we are going to ask the most important question, would this movie be better if the alien from Predator was in it? This week, we are going to be reviewing Taylor Swift's The Eras Tour. Yeah. I'm just pulling your leg. We are going to be reviewing oh, Killers of the Flower Moon. You got me. You probably saw when you clicked the episode. Hey, you know what? Uh, <laughs> fact, I'm actually watching the Eras Tour next week. Are you? That doesn't and you, surprise and, me. And you haven't seen this movie, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of, like, encapsulates peter as a movie goer so i think that's yeah i'm not surprised uh we don't have any news this week uh but we do have several trailers uh so first up let us talk about uh anyone but you i'll just go in the order yeah is it yeah. it's almost in alphabetical order it, anyone but you so this is the rom-com with uh glenn powell who was awesome uh and sydney sweeney who people like i've not seen much with her but personally uh, this movie has gotten a lot of uh, behind-the-scenes buzz. Uh, lots of like rumors wow. of of an affair between Glenn oh. Powell and Sydney Sweeney. Oh, was that like, was a while ago, right? It was a while ago. Uh, right, they should have right, right. coordinated that a little better, but yeah, uh, <laughs> should have coordinated the affair better. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was one of those behind-the-scenes, like oh, juicy uh, romance kind of details, um, <laughs> and that makes some people be like, oh, this will be a really great rom-com. Saw the trailer. Looks bad. That looks does bad. Not, does not what, look good at all. <laughs> I think it's really weird that, like, maybe I'm just missing something from the trailer, but it's not clear why they hate each other. Nope. Like, what? It's like any, the like, the trailer's like, oh, we're gonna, we're, we hate each other, but we're gonna fake being in a relationship. I don't know why they're doing it from the trailer either. Like, I, I feel like it doesn't give any information. But yeah, nope. we don't know why they're doing it or why they hate each other. So, like, it's just... It's so weird. <laughs> my main problem. Sorry, yeah. My main problem about it is just it's supposed to be a rom com. It's not yeah. funny, you know. <laughs> like usually, with with these rom com trailers, they give you like couple of jokes to give yeah. you a tease. But this trailer, there's zero jokes, man. And I, okay, the fact that they had such good chemistry that they like there were reports of them going going on affairs. I see zero chemistry from the trailer. Is that right? <laughs> Yeah, it does not look... It does not... I mean, it doesn't it look like, like it's going to deliver on the ROM or the COM, to be honest with you. Yeah, it looks like they don't like each other, which, I mean, kind of what the movie's going for, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not honestly not seeing the chemistry there, which is shocking. I'm a little surprised. Um, we had some other trailers. There's one for a movie called American Fiction. Uh, this has been getting a lot of behind-the-scenes buzz, but good. Uh, yeah. And behind the scenes, I mean more like festival buzz. Uh, right. So this is a movie starring Jeffrey Wright, and it is um, a movie that is making fun of like the the movies. Or I'm basing this more off of uh, how I've heard other people speak about it, but um, those kinds of movies that are like Oscar bait movies, like um, The Green Book, I think, yeah. is, a, is an example where it's like we solved racism in a movie, but like it's actually like kind of like subtly racist in like the other way haven't seen green book either but um the the movie chronicles a a, a black an african-american writer who feels like he can't get like book sales writing his normal work uh, and so he decides to write with a more um like strong um 
like the the AAVE African American but vernacular. yeah but like to like a kind of a caricature yeah. extent like yeah yeah so he's like going for like almost like um like he he adopts this like almost like a gangster persona like a thug persona and he starts lying that he's like been to jail and stuff like that when he's like in fact an academic like a scholar uh, or like at least at least a writer um, right. and and suddenly using this uh, adopted uh, persona a pseudonym I forget what the actual word is but like when a writer says it's they're under a different name yeah. anyways um, and he starts getting massive sales and so it's like a satire about um, how that all works how white culture yeah. likes a particular um, type of story from black people uh, I'm quite excited for this movie I've heard great things and it looks great yeah, I think it looks very funny. I think there's one line in particular where he's talking on the phone with, like, presumably, like, an agent or a producer or something. And uh, he's like, do you think do you think some college boy could have written this? And she's like, no, no, I do not. Like, very seriously. <laughs> like, like, very seriously. Yeah. I like, I like the bit later when uh, he's talking to, like, some, like, movie producers. And they're like, we were thinking of casting Michael B. Jordan in a tank top with one of those, like, I don't know, like towels on his head, and like I thought, I thought that joke was. I was yeah. like, okay, like the direct thing, like a little funny, but uh, the Michael B. Jordan thing was a bit specific. Like I found that funny. Mm. Um, just gonna keep zooming through these. Another trailer uh, we saw uh, is called "Humanist Vampire Seeking Consenting Suicidal Person." This is a, I think, French movie. Uh, it's a and it's French Canadian movie. Is it? And I, I, I saw. I saw that and I was like, oh, it's French. And then I immediately, from literally the first shot of the trailer, I was like, oh, it's Montreal. Like, and it's like, <laughs> like this is this is the most Montreal-looking movie. Like, modern. Like, it just, I, and I couldn't even point to another movie that it looks like this, but it just looks, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, this is a Quebec movie. Like, for sure. <laughs> it's funny. I haven't been to Montreal, so I, I, do, I didn't pick up on that. But uh, as far I've, as the... I've, It's not even about, like, the place like i'm just saying about like the films that come out of it like especially like at the film festival that we both went to somewhat uh mm-hmm. over over the past week like there were sub there from quebec and it's like yeah, yeah like that's the vibe like i okay sure. it's just, yeah it's like france but no eiffel tower right that's that's the vibe generally mm. uh, so yeah it's like this france is... but poutine france it's just the tower that's the yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, France, but a um, so humanist vampire. Uh, I I was quite uh, taken by this. I think it's filmed in like a really fun kind of quirky way. Uh, these look like fun quirky characters. Uh, you know, kind of like teen romance. One's a vampire, and I I don't know. Vampire movies are fun, so uh, I'm I'm looking forward to this one. I it's love be fun. this trailer. I think this trailer is fucking brilliant. Like the 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 premise is so interesting. Like. I don't know, Aiden, have you seen the trailer? Yes. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, but like, it's basically about a vampire who doesn't want to kill, and a human who wants to die, and somehow they can solve like, like basically the trailer is making you think that they can solve each other's problems, basically. But like, it's like it's such unique. Like, there was obviously a lot of discussion about like, uh, you know, as like adolescent depression, and then like, um, like this whole coming of age thing. But then combined in such a weird, quirky setting, it's just a really unique way to explore that theme, which I think is very fun. So yeah, and it's another—it's it. another uh, data point in the vampires are back 
We're in our vampire era right now. We're in the vampire era. Let's let's recap. We've got just this year, Renfield, The Last Voyage of the Demeter. I'm pretty sure the TV show uh, Interview with the Vampire had either the first or second season come out. Uh, yeah. And then in the works, Chloe Zhao had a vampire movie. Robert Eggers has a vampire movie coming out. Or like in, in the works. Oppenheimer. Poor Things. Poor Things. Knock in the Wonka, Cabin. Wonka. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, lots of vampires this year. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think this one will be fun. Uh, last trailer to talk about, Zone of Interest. This one has also gotten very, very good reviews from festivals. Uh, I think it won something. I don't know what uh, the goddamn hell it's about from these trailers. We don't? <laughs> No, I don't know what it's about. I actually don't know. I might oh, have really? known at oh. some point, but I don't remember. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah, well, it's about something. I'll tell you that. So uh, I'm just oh. going to find out what... So it won the Grand Prix. It won the Grand Prix okay. at that festival where you win that. The cans. It, I think it's <laughs> Grand about the, uh, the guy raising a family next to a concentration camp. Like, the yeah. guy... Oh, is it? The protagonist oh. is, uh, I think, the Nazi, yeah. probably. It okay. is. Yeah. So, yes, Peter is, uh let the cat out of the bag, but... uh yeah, it's uh, it's a Nazi movie, <laughs> in short. Okay. So it's it's supposed to be like a very sobering like uh, look at like the I think the, the term that is probably going to be thrown out around a lot is the banality of evil and how it's just like yeah. being that bystander next is like and also probably not a bystander. I'm pretty sure the guy is like involved actively in the camp mm. somehow. But uh, the tra- uh, the trailer is very much from the perspective outside of the camp, so much so that like. Aiden couldn't even tell without knowing outside yeah. knowledge what it was about. And for, for me, like, I, I decided to rewatch just a bit of the trailer this morning and um, just to refresh myself and knowing knowing it's about concentration camps and, and, like, between the score and the shots, I was, like, actually, like, quite, like, it, like, the intensity, like, affected me mm-hmm. and it was, like, like, getting, like, mm, I don't know if the right word is, like, nervous, but, like, like it's it seems like the kind of movie that will like like anxiety inducing sort of realm or like dread maybe is the better word yeah. um and in such a way we've seen a lot of movies and trailers for movies that are trying to do that and they're trying too hard and, and it feels like they're putting something on and this is one yeah. where i'm seeing it and i'm like no genuinely i think this is one that like is doing it and is doing it well yeah, I think it. I, well, I didn't know what it was about, but it felt very ominous just looking at it too. I think it does have a very foreboding uh, aura. Yeah, yeah, like the trailer actually gave me mad Midsummer trailer vibes. Like, I don't remember the, the Midsummer trailer. Like, like I think it might just be the brightness. That's one thing. Like Midsummer's trailer is like very bright. You know, it's a bright movie. Um, and then the other thing is just like how mundane it is. I, I think there's like nothing particularly weird happening in the Midsommar trailers, right? Um, again, we have not seen that It's like the, the, the thing where you're expecting something, but it's too normal. So you start questioning yourself. Mm. Right. It's the vibe it's, I was getting. Hmm. It's normal. Too normal. I bet that's, that's a line from the movie. So, uh, <laughs> yes, someone's, we... someone from like... <laughs> Someone from a different place, like out of town, is like, hmm, there's something too normal about this place. Yeah, it's a yikes moment. Uh, so, uh, to get out of that yikes moment, Aiden, do you want to tell us about the movie we watched? Some uh, of us 
watched. Yes, uh, some of us watched. Yeah, I guess we should, as I alluded to <laughs> earlier, Peter did not, in fact, watch Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, he's just hanging out <laughs> for the first half of the podcast. Okay, and to, I want to I wanna be clear. Like, it's not that Peter, like, dropped the ball on this one. It's not like we all showed up this morning and he was like, guys, I have a confession. <laughs> I just didn't watch it. It's, we knew. We knew in yeah. advance he couldn't make this one. And he has appeared out of the blue to join us for the first little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. Yeah. So thank you, Peter, for being here. But I will get into describing the movie. So this is Killers of the Flower Moon, directed by Martin Scorsese, screenplay by Eric Roth and Martin Scorsese, based on a book by the same name of uh, by David Gran. Uh, it was starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, Lily Gladstone, cinematography by Rodrigo Prieto. Uh, there are a variety of production companies involved, but it de- debuted at Cannes on May 20th, 2023. Uh, it widespread release in the United States is October twentieth, twenty twenty three. Runtime is two hundred six minutes, a whopping one. Uh, it is in both English and Osage in terms of languages. Uh, budget is two hundred million. It has so far made nine point four million. Sorry, what was the numbers again? Just no. open. <laughs> the the budget was two hundred million, and the box office is nine point four million right now. Two hundred million is a lot for this movie. That that's too much. I don't much. know. I feel like I've seen a different. Uh, I feel like I've seen a different figure for the box office, but I don't know. Like, I th- I think he gets that. I think that's fair. I think Scorsese gets two uh, two hundred mil. I agree, but like, the Flash's production budget was two hundred million. Right. How did that's, this that movie, movie looks... cost? I'm just like, what did you? What did I you think spend that the money. On? But I th- I think if we look at the Flash. That movie needed more time more and money, money, probably. So I think like, better allocation of the money rather well, than more of it. But yeah, I think that like if they just like the VFX is clearly like not completed in that movie. Yeah. Like so, that's more money if they want to like complete it and make that look good. Yeah, I'm looking at it more from a perspective like if you're starting from the beginning. Like, at the end, if all of the events of history have happened, and you're like, we, this is the Flash we have, this is how much we've already spent on it, and you're trying to fix it, that would cost more money. But you could have taken $200 million, used it better, used it differently, used more time, and had a better Flash for the same amount I'm, of money or less. So. For sure, but I'm saying, if, like, this same movie, if you just take the movie, and you're trying to make it, like, a decent version, like, improving yeah, it, like, it's no, just I, more money. It needs more time and money. But I don't know, like, $200 million, like... Let's not any of us talk like we really understand feature, but feature film budgets like intricately. Anyway, you know what I mean? Like there is, like there's a a large degree of scale. Like there's a lot of extras, a lot of people. There's a lot of stuff that's just like done. Like it's clearly there. You know what I mean? Uh, A lot of big names. Like, yeah, the way it goes. Like I I can see how it can balloon up. This is what I wanted to check. So I wanted to get some comps. So these are from. A while ago, from a decade ago, but The Departed and Shutter Island, both of them were under a hundred million, and I feel like generally the trend has been spending more and more and more on movies. So like two hundred million is thrown around a lot now. That was not common a decade prior. Sure. Uh, anyways, I did spin the wheel. Oh, we have a game. We have a game that introduced the game. Uh, we play a game called the Predacritic game. There's a website on the internet called. Metacritic, where critics' scores of a movies are averaged at about 100. We are going to guess 
what the score of Killers of the Flower Moon, what the score, what the score is of that movie. Uh, and I've spun the wheel, and it did in fact land on Aiden. Uh, so Aiden, oh, what do you think the score oh, was? I think it's gonna be high. I think I'm thinking in the 80s for this. That's just where my mind's going, and I kind of want to go high end of 80s. Mm, I'm gonna go 88. I'm not even gonna overthink it. I'm just gonna go 88. He's gonna go 88. Uh, now I spun the wheel again, and it landed on Peter. So Peter, you've not seen this movie. <laughs> you can still take a guess. What do you think? What do you think the score of this yeah, movie right. is? I not From the it. trailer. From the reviews, we know it's going to be good. It's probably good. Um, so, for a good movie, um, I think Martin Scorsese is, like, very consistent. At least, like, for for the past couple of films. Um, and I think critics love him. So, I'm going to go with a safe 86. Mm. 86. Um... I don't think there. To be clear, I don't think there's much state much stakes for you here because we're not gonna make you summarize the movie that you haven't seen. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that one step further. I don't think there's any stakes here because I think I have to summarize either way, as I'm the only person here who has seen the entire movie. So, uh, I've seen the part I'm. I think I know what happened in the part that I missed. We'll talk okay. about. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so okay. Um. 88 and 86. You've left a nice window for me there, Peter. Yeah. The question is, do I take it? I've seen what elsewhere. What if it's higher or it's lower? I've seen know? elsewhere very, very glowing reviews. I'll take a chance because I don't think it matters anyways. I'll, I'll actually go for an 85. I'm going to I'm gonna okay. go left. I'm going to swing left. Go with an 85. Um, okay, so uh, I have the score in front of me, and I should not have swung left. It is, in fact, an 89. Uh, Ooh, so nice. Universal job. acclaim says Metacritic, uh, and it does in fact have that must-see label. Uh, so as the uh, I think that's next as the winner of this little game we do, Aiden, you do in fact get to tell us uh, about this what you I thought do. about this movie first. Um, yeah, so just to address what I had just alluded to as well is that I did I had been working all day and I had to drive to another city and Excuses. I'd been driving for like five hours and I had to I was refing soccer games I was very tired and I saw like a like a nine thirty show of this and so for the last there was a point it was about with about an hour thirty left uh, where I started to fall asleep a little bit. Not because of the quality of the movie at all, but just very, very tired. Um, uh, so, okay, but, like, I did... So, I, I missed, like, a little bit of it, but I actually don't think I missed very much. Um, and I I would like to see this movie again, because, to be honest, like, even when you're not literally sleeping, when you're fighting to stay awake, it's hard to focus. But, yeah, yeah okay. Uh, that being said, I think this movie is very incredible. I think that it is depressing. I think it's horrifying. Uh, I think it's like, it is a, such a good slow burn of like examining evil and like the full extent of corruption. Uh, it is, it is like a, it's a very brutal story of exploitation of indigenous people. Um, I think the directing is like precise and top notch. Like, I mean, like it's, it is Martin Scorsese, but like. I like this is like perfect 
directing to me. Like this is just bare bones exactly what directing is. Like it's just every everything is it's not overcomplicated, but every shot is impactful. It does exactly what it's supposed to do. The chemistry between the actors and the like propulsion of the scene is so good. Like there are little beats here and there that like just that are just very, very good. Like such a good mix of directing the camera and directing the actors. Um yeah, I think that it's very well shot. Uh I think that there's I, I think that there are some fair criticisms that you could level against it. I think, like, for example, like, this is a film that is told from the perspective of white men in this in this thing, but I also, in, in this event that happened, but I also think that that's the only perspective Scorsese could tell it from, and I think that, in a sense, that it's actually smart that he he chose to tell the part of the story and examine the part of the story that he could examine, which is like the extent of evil and corruption on the part of these colonizers. And I think that like, that's something that he would have better insight to. That being said, I think there's, you know, you can still level some fair criticism there. Uh, and I think that it's good to level criticisms as well when we're talking about stuff like this. Um, but yeah, I think this movie is incredibly well done. Uh, I'd give it four and a half stars off the dome and I would recommend people see it. Cool. <clears throat> uh, uh, Peter, what did you? <laughs> what do you think you'll think about this film? I have no idea, actually, because like, um, I'm just Great. gonna talk about my impression of the trailer. Sure. Um, like, sure. off, like right after watching a trailer, like it's like, it's like uh, I got the feeling that I'm so disgusted by what I'm seeing from the trailer that I don't want to see this movie. Like the, the trailer made me very uncomfortable. And I think that's sort of the point of the movie. Like, it's like, even though, like, from, like, a modern-day perspective, we think of these things as horrific, unimaginable. These things did happen. These are, like, retelling or, like, a um, like somewhat exaggerated retelling. I'm not sure. Is it, like, purely fiction? Is it purely fiction based on facts? Like, what? I, I My understanding is that it was actually very much founded in historical reality. Okay, so, yeah. like... So, like, it's, like, things that we can't imagine happening today, literally happening sometime in the past. I think that's what makes the movie so powerful. And just, like, from the trailer alone, I got that feeling. I can only imagine what would watching three hours of this, you know, like, the effect it, it can have on, on a person. So, and, like, I'm always a big advocate and believer in when you're watching a movie at the end you should reach some sort of emotional catharsis and i think this movie will absolutely deliver on that regard if the trailer alone is delivering so i'm i'm uh, excited to watch it at some point it is like did you guys find it long by the way because like it is one of these like very long movies like the martin scorsese classic the epic you know well despite falling asleep i actually found that the pacing was great and i i found that like like I was, it would be like I was falling asleep. But like, no, this scene is really good. I don't want it. Mm. Like I'd be like, I'm like, I'm really fighting here. But it just mm. my biology won. But I actually found that, I mean, it feels long because it is long, but it doesn't feel like it drags. I don't think. Like I, I think that it's very compelling the whole time. That's great. Yeah, cool. uh, I can I can answer that question and kind of leap into my review. Um, did I find it long? I. Mm, I don't think so. I think, I think um, the sequencing of events keeps you kind of interested the whole time, and I think it kind of happened at a, at a decent pace, and there's like the like an intrigue to it. Um, so, so no, I don't. I don't think it was. 
I don't think it was too long, but also I might, I will definitely uh, be a hypocrite there, and I'll, I'll or not a hypocrite. I'll I'll say the reverse later as well for for other reasons. But um, I am actually gonna take the hot the hot seat today and say that uh, this movie is not the masterpiece people are saying it is. So I'm I'm taking the negative opinion today. Uh, and I've seen, let me tell you, I've seen a lot of very, very glowing reviews of this movie. So I am feeling a little bit like the outsider here, but um, I'll just, I'll just speak my truth about that. So um, I've, I've seen Scorsese films. Of most people have. I've seen Shutter Island. I've seen uh, Goodfellas. I've seen Raging Bull. I've seen um, Taxi Driver. You know the classic ones. Uh, um, the Departed. Uh, but I've never been like a like a Scorsese head. Uh, you know, I've 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 liked his movies. I've never been a, a particularly a big fan of them. But uh, so that that's kind of like what I was walking into. I was like, oh, this will probably be a well crafted movie that I'll think is like good. But I'm not going to be a Scorsese fan after this. Um, and yeah, so I don't know. I I definitely did end up having some problems with it. Um, first of all, I think. Um, Lily Gladstone is like phenomenal as the second leading character, um, Molly. Uh, I think the story probably should have been from her perspective. Aiden was kind of alluding to this, and we might have different takes on this, but um, the character who is the lead character, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, is like an evil human being, and we are forced to create like empathy for him, or at the very least, like see we're gonna hard we're gonna hard disagree here yeah i don't okay i don't maybe empathy isn't the wrong word but like it's one of those things where like i'm seeing the narrative from his perspective and he is at the very least getting like a redemption arc at the end or like like what is whether you believe or whether you decide to redeem him is your personal thing i don't think very many people are but like that is the shape of the narrative is he tries to he tries to make things right at the end and i just I was and like, fails. no thanks, um, and, and maybe he does, but um, so I, I didn't care for the framing of it. Um, I don't think this is Leonardo DiCaprio's best work either. I think he was fine. He does some like he has some weird choices that I was like, okay, I don't think this is this will get me a lot of heat. I don't think this is Scorsese's best work. I think Whoa. there were a couple scenes where I was like, this is really bland. Um, not every scene. I'd say not even most of it. Like a select few scenes where I was like, "Why this?" Um, I think the script is lacking in some conflict. I think it's kind of straightforward the whole time through. I know we're gonna disagree. It's fine. Yeah, we're gonna disagree. Um, this. I also think I think one of my biggest issues, my biggest qualms, is that tonally, I think this movie is tries to be. Um, several different things which I think in a movie generally is fine and I think I think removed from reality the tone shifting in this movie is completely acceptable um, it's the fact that these events are so close like first of all they are reality they were history and the fact that it is so close to what is still happening today that when in so so what I'm getting at is sometimes the movie the movie's generally what this vague term we call drama, right? Or crime, it's a crime drama, right? And then 
there are moments where there's two different directions this goes in, but sometimes it goes to extreme gore and violence, and other times it goes to comedy. And both of those things I was quite, like, I was decently offended by, uh, just by the fact that, like, again, these events that are being portrayed are still basically happening today. The murder and, like, the kidnapping of indigenous women and to portray that stuff so what feels like callously and some of the man so, like i'm getting kind of heated right now like the the violence that is like depicted on screen is kind of disgusting uh and i mean that is obviously the point you're supposed to look at this violence and say that is disgusting i feel appalled but like i just think it's like pretty insensitive and um in poor taste and especially when the movie veers into comedy I was just like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like that was, I was just like really offended by some of the, some of the comedic bits they try to put into this movie. I just found in such poor taste. Um, so that kind of, I, I mean, obviously that's going to color some of my interpretation of the movie, but I do think like objectively I had some issues with it. And I just like, I think people are going to look back at this one and they're going to say like, it was, mid-tier Scorsese. I don't think people are going to look back and say this was, like, high-end, and I know some people are. I don't know that you're saying that, Aiden, but I've seen some people proclaim it as a masterpiece, and I'm going to say hard no. I do not think people are going to say this is a masterpiece a year, five years from now. And, um, yeah, I definitely had some issues with it. Now, I'll be fair to the movie and fair to Scorsese. I do think he's still a talented artisan, artist, you know, like, I think he, like, 95% of the film, like, I'd say, like, the scenes, the, the, the direction, like, I, he's doing a good job. I just think the script was all wrong. I think a lot of the problems stem from the script for me, uh, which he did write, so it is kind of on him anyways. But uh, I, think, I think his direction of the script, more or less, I don't have too many problems with just a couple instances. Um, but, yeah, so, so overall... Um, I think uh, I'll probably land somewhere around a three and a half. So, like, it's funny that, like, I sound so negative about it, but, like, it's still a three and a half. Like, that's quite good. But I, I'm, I'd take a lot of issue with, like, a four and a half, personally. Uh, I could see someone reaching for a four, but, like, I'm closer to dropping it to a three, maybe. I don't know. It's, the issue is, like, it's so, it is well-crafted. Like, he knows what he's doing. He's a good director. And so, like, it's hard for me to separate those two things of, like, this is a well-crafted uh, depiction of a script that I think is just not good and not a good depiction of like what happened. I don't know. If, I haven't read the book, so I don't know if it's a good adaptation of the book, but like um, that is kind well, of my take. I can tell you that the book is from what I understand, kind of just a detailing of like the investigation into it from like the Bureau of investigation. Like, I don't think it's even as much of like a story as this from what mm -hmm. I understand. Um, so I think that a lot of the screenplay is coming from Scorsese and the other screenwriter. I forget who the name was. Yeah, but yeah we're going so, to hard disagree on a lot of this stuff here. That's fine. I, I did read, actually, an, like a short excerpt from the book. It was, I think, the first chapter. I, I found it online on, like, The New Yorker or something. and So mm. I, I just decided to read it. And it's it's definitely not from Leo's perspective. It is. Mm. It seems to be actually, like, and I'm, first chapters um, sometimes will take on like a different form as kind of like a hook 
and then the rest of the book will be different. So I can't say that this is how the rest of the book is. Maybe it does mm -hmm. kind of take that detached, cold, kind of like objective view after this chapter. But that chapter was written from the first perspective of oh. first person okay, perspective. Well, I, I of might be Lily, wrong. I don't of Lily's I, character of Molly. I um, I yeah, like we we both don't know, but like it was interesting. Like reading that chapter, it was like like they're describing events that like you couldn't know happened. So it was clearly like um, embellished with like mm. fictional details kind of thing. Sure. So like like it's described as if like a movie. It's described like a movie would describe real events, right? Sure. So like. Um, but uh, something, something, something they said, you know, like narration and people dialogue and stuff like that. Anyways, um, so yeah, um, would I recommend this? Um, I'll have to think about that one. Um, I know a lot of people really like this movie. Normies like this movie, lay people, you know, people who don't criticize films like we do. But like, um, it's getting a lot of acclaim. So like, I don't, I don't know if I'll be the person who's going to stay sore about it. But also like, some of my opinions about it, I'm holding pretty strong on so um that remains to be seen anyways in the meantime though i do have to summarize this movie and i have two minutes to do so and it was three hours long i actually like tried to think about like what all the scenes were earlier this morning and i was like okay this that, 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 that. and i got like maybe to like half an hour into the movie and i was like oh no <laughs> uh sure. well, you don't you don't you can skip over a lot it's, I think the, the yeah. broad, broadly what happens in this movie is... Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, so I, uh, I'll, I'll get up my timer. We do need a spoiler warning, though. Oh, yeah. Pew, pew, pew. Wee, 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 wee. That's a spoiler alarm. And for those who are Unless you want to get spoiled, Peter, I do think you have to say sayonara right now. It's time to skedaddle. Should I get spoiled? Don't you want to watch this? Don't you want to watch How long are you movie? staying? That's up to you, but like... Oh, uh, I mean, I, I should probably leave. Okay, let me uh, end my recording. Have a good yeah. pod, guys. Thank See you, you guys next time. Hopefully, you better. <laughs> okay, he's gone. All okay, right. Okay, no more Peter. So now, no thank more Peter. Just kidding. No more Peter. Just kidding. Uh, anyway, so I will start my two-minute timer, and I will try my best. Here we go. Three. Oh, he's texting me now. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so uh, Ernest. Leo's character comes back from the war and he moves to his uncle's ranch in um, the Osage uh, reservation in Oklahoma. And his uncle basically says, you should go marry one of these rich indigenous people because they've, be they, they, they were originally from like East and they were moved to Oklahoma onto like what they called the worst land possible um, because like reservations and racism and you know, all that stuff. And it just turns out like the land they've been put on has oil under it and so they become like the wealthiest people per capita at the time uh and so they're insanely wealthy and people flock to this uh reservation and create like these towns um so that they can basically like suck up the money from them like like they're vultures like parasites um these white these mostly white men and white white women as well so they they become basically this the underclass for um the osage people they become drivers and they become uh servants um maids, etc. And so he's he's told by his uncle, Robert De Niro, to uh, marry this woman. He drives her and they fall in love, maybe, and they do that. Pretty quick, Robert De Niro's like, you gotta kill her whole family so that you can get the rights to the land and get all the money. And that's basically the rest of the movie. Um, we, are, we see um, her sister die slowly of like a, a wasting illness, they call it. Um, her sister Anna is murdered. 
her mother dies. Um, her eventually her sister is uh, her sister and her, her her sister's husband, who was her other sister's husband, is blown up. Um, and all of this is perpetrated by um, Ernest and his uncle, but usually through like other people, like they're hiring people, but like it's them masterminding it. Then Jesse Plemons from the FBI comes eventually. Uh, Leo is poisoning his wife because she has diabetes and he's slipping it into the insulin and the FBI find them, they arrest them, they do a trial, and they go to jail. Uh, that was rough. That was basically... They do go to jail. That is pretty much what happens. So, as always, the first question is, what was your favorite part? Do you... Can, My favorite uh, part? This always let me. Yeah, let me see if I... Like, I just... I, I, I always forget this is coming somehow, and I don't I think about... And I now, don't pick out a favorite part. Now I'm but, thinking I mean, about it, too. Like... Like, when I ask it, I'm like, I know he doesn't have one. I know he's going to get thrown by that question. But I will say, well, but the thing is, whenever you ask it, I, like, immediately, I go over the movie. And my attention is immediately drawn to, actually, one of the final scenes. It's actually, it's the final scene of, uh, like, the normal movie. Because there's another scene after that is oh, kind right, of, right, like, right, like right. you know what I mean. Uh, I don't know why I'm being vague about it. There's, like, a... There's kind of like a recreation, like say it's, that, yeah. it's it's like an old timey radio sort of like retelling it's, of what happened, and we can talk the, about more. But it's the first ever true crime podcast yeah. hosted by none other than Martin, Martin Scorsese. Scors- yeah, and Martin Scorsese himself does come out and talk at the end, and he just That's he so it's basically it's in place of like what often happens in biopics and movies that are based on true story. They have like title cards at the end that say this is what happened to this and this is how this turned out and it's based it's that but it's like it's people recording a radio show in front of an audience and then Mm -hmm. martin scorsese himself comes out and talks about um but it's a scene before that and it's the last sort of confrontation conversation between uh molly and ernest and it's when ernest has already testified against uh his uncle who is uh william hale robert de niro um, and they have this conversation and I just think the acting is so on par. Like, I completely disagree with you that Leo is not, I think this is one of the best Leo performances I've seen. And I think that like, that's like, I, I think he's incredible. I do think Lily Gladstone is the best actor in this movie though. I think she's incredible in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's on full display, full display in this scene as well. I think that like, I don't know I'm talking about it as if I don't want to spoil it, but I just, I should. Um, yeah. So like, just they're talking about how he he supposedly like cleaned his soul and he says that he even says like oh i told the truth and i cleaned his soul and then she asks him like oh like what was what was being put in my medicine like what did you give me what was what was what was in my insulin that you were giving me and after like just a long beat of just this shriveling horrible man like contorting his face he just says like it was it was insulin it was insulin and then she gets up and leaves and i think yeah. like that like to me like that's why for for listeners that don't that can't see the video which is none of them when alex was saying that he gets a redemption arc i was hard disagreeing with that because i think that's clearly not how it ends i think that like he is portrayed as a horrible deeply evil man in this movie and i don't think the movies i think there's some amount of like it's you're supposed to empathize in that he's treated like he's a human, but he's treated as a feckless, spineless, horrible human who ultimately betrays these like already these people who've already been treated horribly. And I think that this scene 
is an example of just very good solid direction and working with actors and then the actors doing very very well and so i i i really like this scene yeah i'll just comment uh to the redemption arc thing i'll clarify i do not think the movie is trying to make you think at the end that he's redeemed himself i don't like i don't want to say that but i do think that and because i also i want to get to my favorite part before we mm-hmm. beer off but um yeah. I'll just say that I feel like the second half, his like morality starts to kick in again, and he starts saying that he starts it's he starts showing more that he actually does love Molly, and so like it's it's the return of the conscience, um, and that sort of like like that moment where he starts where he start I think he starts trying to redeem himself. Whether and the movie doesn't really take his side. I do think you're right that like you're supposed to walk away being like, no, he is a spineless, evil human being. But like, it was just it was the betrayal of that that I um I didn't care for. But uh, we well, we will absolutely. I, I will say talk like about it. just while we're on it, like I know that this is like just really quick. I actually just because I think it's relevant with what we're talking about. One of the Osage advisors on the film, I saw that at a screening had leveled. A criticism which was just that Martin Scorsese was clearly t- taking the position of like um like he he loves her like Ernest does je- like love Molly and I think and the advisor who I'm f- forgetting the name of, I think it was Christopher I was, I, Christopher Cote because I'm actually going to refer to yeah. him later as well because sure. I, I had seen this as well and but and that's kind of what I was saying in my spoiler review too is like that's a completely fair criticism because he was saying that like no that's not love but and, and I think that's completely fair criticism. I think that, though, um, the fact that, like, I'm trying to contend with what the movie is, and I think what the movie is saying is that any love that is there is ultimately corrupted by a just just a corrupt, bankrupt spirituality and, like, a lack of soul. And just, just like, a mentality that just that corrodes all. And I, like... And I, I think that just thinking about what the movie is and what it's what it's trying to do, I think it does show that well. Well, I still think that it's fair to have that problem with it. Hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll save it for later. Just um, And that might even be the first point we get to, but I do just want to uh, do the favorite part. So uh, I'll say my favorite part is when Jesse Plemons shows up. Uh, just like, I don't know if it's a specific part, but like when the FBI get involved, I was like, Yeehaw! Yeah, this is I like. This. It is the it is the boi at that point. It's the bureau yeah. of investigation. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a big O for of because you don't want to mm. be the bi, I guess. Exactly. Uh, uh, but anyways, um, so so yeah, when Jesse Plemons shows up in his big hat, I was like, fuck yeah, I like, I'm I don't know like Jesse Plemons gets like a lot of love, and I won't say like I'm that. For, I don't mm. think I'm like that for any actor because there's sure. movie stars don't exist anymore. But like, uh, I do like him. I think he's a good actor, and and so I like when he's in movies. Apparently, he's been in every no sorry. Apparently, every year he's been in one of the films nominated for a best picture. He's he's oh, really? been in a best picture nominee every single year he's since 2018. Parasite. Since 2018. 
or 29 no no nominee i said nominee not oh. winner oh, okay <laughs> so but like anyways he's in good movies is what yeah. the point of that is um so yeah um i don't even know if i have a specific scene like i said but it's just like i think he's cool and he, he brought like an energy that i liked um i'll say like oftentimes in like these kind of movies i'm not sure i usually empathize with like the police force and like the invested usually you like you've been taught to like like the main character you're supposed to like or like in a way root for them even though they're like unscrupulous mm-hmm. people in other more scorsese films they'd say like probably i haven't seen it in a while but like goodfellas for example the cops are like clearly bad guys in the movie and you're like no don't cramp his style he's doing his thing um and you're like you know and you're like ah boo police but yeah. in this one i was like help this poor woman <laughs> like i was very yeah. like so you know it's the the um the audience's feeling toward the characters is, is quite reversed and so i was i was actually like really excited when the the hero rides in from from washington and the fbi I guys do- i thought that was cool I do think, though, jumping off of that, I was actually struck by how I think that the it's very questionable. I mean, obviously, it's questionable historically, like, what the motives and, like, the efficacy of the BOI was. That's, that's true just about what happened in real life. I also think that is true in this movie. I do think that their investigation is portrayed as something that is, like, kind of a foot-dragging mess. Like, I, I do think that they're not quite, like... And I think that's good. Like, I think it's good because that's, like, the rea- like the reality that, like, a federal American investigation unit would come in and, like, genuinely help these people. Like, genuinely right. help those such people. Like, not accurate. Like, that wouldn't happen. Um, and so I, I do actually like how, while he is portrayed as, like, a guy who wants to, like, do his job, like, I think that they don't seem to really care like, they don't seem to really be appalled by what's happening, I don't think. And I think that that's... Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's a good thing this movie does. I Yeah, and I, I don't disagree with you on that at all. I don't think... I don't think Jesse Plemons ever has, like, that personal stake in it. He's mm. coming... He's He is the outsider from out of town who is taking up an investigation, and he's he probably believes deeply in justice and stuff like that. But in terms of, like, actually empathizing with these people not particularly the case he's not racist by any means i just don't think he's ever portrayed as like someone who has any sort of attachment to the people he's helping uh whereas and and what's what's really helped in that is that one of his agents or his like the people working with him who is i don't know if that's a lie he says he's osage at the very least he's an indigenous person is like clearly affected by what is happening and there's one scene where he's like i think it's when he's he rescues Molly. I think it was that scene. I can't recall, but he is like genuinely like almost brought to tears with what is happening. And I was just, I was quite affected by that actually. And I think I missed that scene. I think I, I, think I was asleep during that scene. That was right okay. around. It was right around when the BOI shows up is when I was starting to nod off. Uh, yeah. So it, it, it was after yeah. that. And, um, yeah, so they, they bring her to the hospital, and he and another agent. I did see that. Find no, her. I did see that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So so I I think it was that scene where he's like quite moved, and so it's a nice contrast for for Plemons's character, and also like a very interesting beat for yeah. that character who is uh, unnamed, maybe well probably named in the, the cast list, but you know I don't I don't know who the character is. 
Uh, anyways, so that kind of region is my favorite part. Kind of copying sure. it. Didn't have a specific moment, but whatever. I have um, I have another favorite part that I think can kind of just... slide us into a discussion of the of because I think we want to tackle like themes and representation right away it feels like that's the way we're going sure. so Go for it. and i yeah so i have a part so one of the things one of my favorite parts as well is i forget who i don't know what exactly this guy's job was but it's he's the guy that molly is talking to immediately i think he's like a banker or something like he i do know what this is money. i can explain so yeah okay because of like the racist systems at the time yes they while the osage people had all those i'm also very surprised that the government was like, oh, yeah, you guys, that's your money. You you deserve that. I was like, they did that? They honored mm. that? That's shocking to me. Anyways, um, so while they did honor that they had ownership to the oil rights and that was their money, they were not allowed to spend it. Oh, so they, right. okay. they had a guardianship, kind of like the Britney Spears thing to bring it to, like, oh. modern. Like, she had, like, the conservatorship. Or more like, in Canada, there's, like, there's, like the Indian agent sort of system yes. is it like yeah. look into that okay yeah so basically if they wanted to spend money they had to get approval from these white people um who would let them spend their money right so it, it's like allowing allowing them to have the money but it's still enforcing a paternalistic relationship to it yeah exactly yeah, okay. and the, that's why she says whenever she meets him she's like molly i cannot remember what her last name is i keep thinking my word association is going to a different last name, and I know that's not right. I'm only remembering Burkhart, but that's what it is after she marries. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. what... Okay, I was like, who am I... I keep going yeah. to Molly Ringwald, who is a... It's not Molly Ringwald. She is in the, the Breakfast, Breakfast Club. Club. So, yeah. <laughs> so it is... We'll go with Molly Burkhart. Anyways, when she has to do that, um, she has to say, like, incompetent or something. I forget what the word is, but, like, she has to declare the status um, that she is not allowed to spend her money. I don't know if that's for us yeah. or if that was a real part of the process but uh, it worked anyway so yeah uh but anyway so that guy who and this is emblematic of something that happens a lot where there are various white people in this movie that ostensibly have some sort of care for the osage people that seem to get along with them and there are parts of this where it seems to be like it's a community two communities that kind of get along and he's one of these people that like from just like if you just are dropped into this and you're just looking at it you might be like oh he seems like a decent guy and then like i think the movie clearly shows like obviously like his office is horrible like what like what his job is is horrible so like there's already that but then there's a really horrible moment later when he's just he's standing beside robert de niro william hale who looks at the burned down house of i think it's is it all oh, who who is the who are the ones that are killed in the house it's the one, the house that's oh, blown up, blown up. Bill, Bill and Rita. Bill and Rita, are, yeah. And he's looking at that, and he's he just says to William Hale, like, "You need to be more careful, or you need to be more subtle." Like, and just like the implication, like, "Oh no, they they actually like know what's going on. Like everyone understands mm -hmm. what's going on. They all know." And like that's it's just again, and to me, like that's the that's the strength of this movie is that like this idea of this lust for capital and for exploitation is so all-encompassing and so pervasive that like once this western white man's world has been imposed on this area there's like like there's no there's no room for real adoration or love or respect and i think that like there's the shot later where ernest walks into the room and they're all looking at him and it's like 
they're they're they, they were all in on it like that's the yeah yeah that that was what i was gonna bring up is i yeah that could mm, i don't know about the scene itself but i did i like that shot and i noticed that shot from the trailer instantly mm-hmm. like it's the one where in the trailer masterfully they overlay yeah. it with the audio it's almost like they crafted that knowing it would be used in the trailer like yeah. it feels so like knowing yeah. but um it's the can you see the wolves in this picture and very slowly all of the white men turn their heads and like that shot that is the money shot like that is yeah that's an incredible shot it is an incredible shot it's well composed it's like like the fact that like every like you said everyone is in on it and like you know not everyone was like planning the murders but like slowly you realize like oh the yeah like the doctors are complicit oh this guy's complicit Oh no! It's like almost and, everybody is, and none of them care. Like, like none of them care. None no. of them see the Osage as people. No, and it's so yeah. It's um, that was I. That's that's something I will say is like, I think Marty's doing a great job of like, the the theme of like like you said, these people are parasites. I felt the whole movie like, quite um, mm, like unnerved or like, um almost like that dread feeling again like sure. like i just know yeah. i know what's no, gonna happen but also like I, I know what is going to happen kind of like the fact that like these are rich indigenous people and that's like these guys are just not gonna let that slide yeah. like they just can't let that happen uh, and to use the buzzword me... sorry you sorry i cut no. you off uh, but I was saying to use the buzzword used earlier, like the it's like the banality of evil thing, where it's like uh, yeah. they're again, like they're not they're not mustache twiddling like he he. Well, actually, there's a little bit of mustache twiddling there's a little mustache with with, twirling, with, yeah. Rob, with Robert De Niro, um, but like they're not like just brutally. It's not like explicit outbursts. Um, it's just like this is just the way things are, and they just mm-hmm. they just believe that they they talk about the Osage as if they're already dead, like particularly Robert De Niro, and like yeah, and I, I think that that's that's done well, like that it's not this, and I think like that's worse than if they were just constantly like swearing at them or whatever, or like hurling them, you know? Yeah, um, it's like like when we're first kind of introduced to the town, it's quite clear that there's like all these like hucksters i think is the word like people who are like scammers like yeah. overcharging for like really frivolous things and like people just trying to make a living off of these people who they think don't know how to spend their money because and it's like in a way it's they're easy targets is the idea and i think that's true because these are people who have not historically have had yeah. so much money and so they don't it's... also like their societies as, yeah, it's from a, my recollection, we're not monetarily based. Right. It's like it's a value system that isn't. It's foreign. that doesn't stem from them. Yeah, it's been imposed yeah. on them, and they're like, sure, like they'll they're living with it, and that's the way it is. But yeah. And so they they fall prey to very easy scams and very frivolous uh, ways to spend money. So like people are like I'll take your for- photograph or like I forget what he was saying, but like a number that seemed way too high, like like mm. so very expensive photographs and like oh, I'll drive your car, I'll drive your car, and just kind of, like, imposing themselves. And so, like, that kind of started the dread for me. And then that slowly dies down, like, the overt nature of that. Yeah. And, and it becomes, like, that more sinister, like, um, quieter, not kind of, like, being so open about it. The um, the smiling face that has, like, 
but like holding the knife kind of thing. Yeah. There's a I don't know what the phrase is. That sounds familiar. Yeah. But, no, I, I see um, what you mean. So like it's it's the people who are like proclaiming to be so friendly that are actually the ones like that is so much more sinister. And because because not only are like they like not they're hiding their true nature, but also like their true nature is so much worse than just like trying to get a pretty penny off of these people who don't know how to spend their money. They're murdering people. Um, their aims are, are larger. Um, so, so yeah, I, I do definitely believe that that was uh, well accomplished by Scorsese. Um, and that was going to lead me to something. Oh, um, I think, yeah, so, so speaking of that, like the William Hale character is quite good, I think. Yeah. Um, just like he's, he's the one played by Robert De Niro. He is the perpetrator of these crimes. He's, and it's, it's the fact that he's like, he's ingrained himself in this community and it's, I mean, and he I talks mean, about how he loves them like all the time. He speaks the language yeah. and he's like, I knew these people since, I, since they were children. Yeah. Um, it's the fact that like he can be in charge of these crimes. It's, it's like yeah. sickening. Like and the le- bottomless pit of, yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. Part of and I mean to be fair, part of the credit has to go to history and just like what actually happened. Like that's not clever screenwriting. This is just like this is right, just but the facts. But the per, like a less handily, a less ha- uh, an ill prepared filmmaker or a worse filmmaker like doesn't doesn't bring that feeling onto you the same way. Perhaps yeah. Mm-hmm. I I don't think perhaps like if like yeah. it yeah I think not I don't I think that's fair to say that like. I don't think I think that it, the way that this is brought up, the way that it it's this not slow. I mean, it, it's not a slow burn in that like you kind of know it the whole time, but it's just like the way yeah. it just kind of pushes along. Uh, yeah, I think that it's executed very well. I don't think everyone could do. I think you'd you'd recognize that's horrible, no matter mm-hmm. who does it, like for sure. But I don't I don't think it would be brought about and evoked in the same way. I will say yeah, like the slow burn nature, Scorsese can make a three and a half hour movie and it like it works he he does like manage to draw these events out in a way that like it does kind of keep you interested in like wanting to know unless you're super tired and you fall asleep but um you i was you know i was still interested while while falling asleep you're interested while snoozing yeah Yeah. um and yeah it's it's when he's like at the end it's a great it's it wasn't like um like a shocking moment for me but like when he's like arrested it's it's classic so like i've seen this before and i and i like it when it happens because i think it's interesting but like when a character who's definitely evil but who has this friendly persona he puts on and is trying to keep up the the personality of it all and so he he gets arrested and he's like arrest me and he's like he takes it like he's pretending like it's a big joke like he doesn't understand Mm. and he's like pretending to be the nice guy um and like i don't understand what's going on uh, I couldn't do this. I wouldn't harm a fly. Like that's that's just that's good. That's good stuff. Yeah. Um, in terms of just like movies. Um, where does this take us though? Uh, oh, I know. Oh, I, know. I, I, know. I also I just want to quickly say I think De Niro is also incredible. I think he's giving a a great performance. Uh, I think yeah. he's yeah he's pretty good in this. He's pretty pretty good. Uh, I I found it funny like listening to him and being like, I guess he's kind of he's kind of doing an Oklahoma accent. I think. Some, but like yeah. it's so hard. Like I'm like, that's Robert De Niro. Oh really? I I was actually gonna say the opposite. Where I think literally because he's doing an accent that I wouldn't 
that I wouldn't expect to come from that man. And just, like, the way he's dressed up, he actually kind of disappeared into this he's role set, for me. Like, yeah, no, I he, agree. He, he's usually an actor that I'm like, that's De Niro. Like, I just, even the, even if he's doing a great job, I'm usually like, no, that's, De-. like, in Heat, I mm-hmm. think he's great in Heat, but it's like, that's De Niro. I'm looking at De Niro. Yeah. But in this movie, I actually think he's completely invisible. He's, he's not doing his shtick, which is why I'd say, like, this is him doing, like, a pretty damn good job. Uh, and so, yeah, I do like that, yeah, he puts on that accent. Sometimes I was like, I was like, I, I feel the... I don't know if it's Brooklyn, but like I, I felt it bleeding through like mm. a couple times. But I'm not gonna super I don't know. nitpick that sort of thing. Within you said, I felt like the first time I heard him talk, and there's one shot that he's talking, and then it cuts mm. to a close up, and then in the first shot, like he, I feel like he's just talking normally, and then the second shot, he's in the accent suddenly, and I don't know if that's true or if like it's just that my mind needed to adjust to him doing an accent. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was so funny. Like I was like, so oh, because so you felt it too. The, the in, li- in no in literally the first time he talks and that's okay. it but like the first time he talks i was yeah because i just remember being like oh okay like because when i yeah. saw the shot when i first saw his the first time he talks i i was like oh he's not doing like a like a southern accent mm-hmm. at all like he's just like he's just gonna talk and then he was and then that wasn't what it was <laughs> Yeah. yeah. No, I, I do appreciate that he did the accent. But I was going to say, so this is going to get into something that I'm going to be negative about. And sure. I think most of the negative things you're going to be uh, not negative on, but this is fine. So what I'll say is that um, I forget. This This was directly related to something I said, but I don't remember what it is anymore. But um, my issue with conflict in this movie. Mm. So the way I'm going to summarize it is that while there is sort of conflict i see this movie as two guys having basically no qualms about killing a bunch of people and having very little difficulty doing so it doesn't mean there's no conflict because sometimes it is a little hard to do the murdering but in terms of like morality there's no difficulty there i felt that um and i'm fine with like william hale having no problem with that that's like his role in the movie is like the unwavering antagonist. Um, but I, I did find that, and this kind of is going to just leak into like my, my issues with the Ernest character, uh, is that there's not really, I didn't feel an inner turmoil with him. Um, and this is where it's going to get like kind of dicey is like, what would I have preferred, right? Like, would I have preferred sure. the inner turmoil and humanizing this right. spineless twerp? right or would i have preferred what kind of was done which is like just fully accepting that like he is just like an evil human being with no morality and just kind of feeling like there's no conflict in in him to like act differently so this that was kind of the problem i had um and like i never felt that just elaborating sorry um i never felt that it was hard for him to kill his wife's family uh, and poison his wife. And also, while there was definitely conflict eventually between Ernest and, and his uncle, I felt like it, I felt like even that was not as great as it could have been. There were moments, you know, the spanking, okay. obviously, but like, you know, um, I just felt like it was too easy for him to sure. just keep doing what he was doing. Kind of like moving with very little resistance. So I actually, I think I completely see what you're saying, and I almost agree. I think I almost agree with what you're saying. I just don't think it's a bad thing. And I okay. think that like, so I think that like, I agree that like there, there, 
one, like there isn't much physical resistance to them do like it's not it's not mm-hmm. literally hard for them to commit these acts they're doing it with with quite a bit of ease and again the reason i think that's good in this movie is because it's this idea of mass complicity or com- complicity whatever the word is um like where they they can get away with it like they because mm-hmm. everyone everyone is going to let them get away with it this is a society that will let them get away with it um and in terms of the earnest character in his conflict i think that I actually did feel a lot of uh, inner turmoil. I just, again, saw it as this is a man with a corrupt soul and with no spirit. And I think that, like, and so ultimately, like, he's just going to sway. He's just going to fall over and bend. And I, I think that, like, it's like you said, like, I think one of the reasons the slow burn and the feeling of dread works is actually because it's like, oh, they really they're just going to do it. Like they're not even, it's not even going to actually be that hard for them. I also just appreciate that it's never over dramatized. Like he just, I, I would really not like it if he had like a moment where he just, if he had like multiple outbursts where he was just like banging a wall and being like, no, like that doesn't really happen until (laughs) like, until his kid dies at the end, which is like, like that's a fair, that's an earned moment to me. Um, and I think that like, the again and i think it's fair like like i said it's fair to criticize the idea that he loves her but contending with what the movie is which is the movie is saying that he has at least some level love for her what i think is so horrifying is that because he is this bottomless pit within him this endless hunger like the like the love means nothing like it ultimately is just like rendered null um and i think this is also just going to come down to like a difference of I just liked Leo's performance a lot and I felt looking at his face that he was always like scrunched and he was muted and he was always, he was always felt shriveled to me. Like there was something like, like he was just like a little pea in there, like just a, a little, a little small nothing. Little and that like, he was just swearing. Yeah. Um, and I think what I will say is a problem I somewhat had towards the end is, I think that it felt like Molly should have been a little more proactive in this movie towards the end. And I felt like Molly should have start, like, I think she is suspicious of him and I think she feels isolated. And I think that she, she's been very effectively isolated and she is being poisoned. And so I think there's reason for it to be not such a overstated conflict, but I do think that she should have been a little more proactively in conflict with Ernest specifically in the last hour or so of the movie yeah i absolutely agree with that um just more on i i, I would love to talk about molly and lily Gladstone, yeah. but i i do want to just finish the the earnest some of my points yeah. on earnest um and this is this is different because that was more about conflict this is earnest as a character when i looked at leo i couldn't get like i couldn't pick up what he was going for I don't think that's performance necessarily. I think it's, I think a lot of that stems from the script level. Um, you like he's like this bottomless pit, like you said. But like that's that is kind of what I saw as like, like a a character that didn't. I couldn't get a a, a grasp on why he was doing what he was doing at any point. But I don't think and he I, knows is the thing. Mm, and that's what I that's what I really like. I think the idea that like he is he's too feckless to even have a sense of what's happening. Like he can't, he can't even like consider what's going on. 
I don't think I, okay. he knows why he's doing it. So, so that is like, I've, I've, I've seen the the um, the idea. It's occurred to me that like, yes, the point could be the point easily could be that like he's a spineless human being who will blow whichever way the wind blows, and when his uncle is saying you're gonna do this, like the like that is that is a character to me to just be like he's just someone who will do whatever anyone says it's i feel like if that's what they were going for i didn't feel a strong commitment to that or at least i i needed something more more like okay i i just felt like i don't know like i i didn't understand there was there was kind of always a question of like but why why is he like this um i i don't know that like backstory is always backstory is not always necessary in stories but like for some reason for this I was like what life was like before this movie for him I kind of like I, I don't understand I don't he used to work with his uncle like yeah. they mentioned that but what are his roots what is his the thing that I kept going to is like what is his spine which is a like a writing sure. term um, which just means like what is what kind of like keeps him going every day what is his like long-term like like sort of morals but like goals like what what's his drive um and he does say like a, a bunch of times he's like i do love money and i'm like yeah. like i don't like is that it like is your drive money is your drive like being swayed by your uncle is your drive love and so like i just i felt like it was kind of almost like wishy-washy like i couldn't i didn't feel like a strong sense of what this character was supposed to be and i don't mean that as like a compliment toward saying like oh that's the point i don't even if that was the point i don't think it was a good execution of the point of him being a character with no morals no um kind of like inner belief i feel like i've seen that done better um i can yeah i mean like we, we don't have to retread i i do just disagree i think that a lot of the strength of this movie is trying to figure out what the hell what is going on in this guy's head and like the movie is asking you to really consider why is he doing this and the ultimate answer you get to is just is just again just because he's there's nothing there and it's just it's the soullessness of of exploitation and colonialism but i won't i won't retread that but like and look that's fair if you didn't like it um but yeah just like and i i like lines like i really like when he's like i love that money because it's like yeah he does mean that but he also like doesn't mean it and that like i don't think he can really he just can't commit to it um but that's i think we are at a certain point just fundamentally seeing this different but like go ahead yeah, yeah. i'm okay with that uh, i don't need to retread the, the other thing I'll say is that just, like, I think it's hard to follow this character for three and a half hours when, I'm maybe, like, so, so I'm just trying to, like, analyze my own feelings about this. It's just, like, like why it was so, like, I just felt so detached from, like, what was happening with him specifically. And I think it's because he has no morals, and that's, that's fine. A character, and a main character at that can also, like, can be someone with no morals. I'm, that's okay. But it's the fact that, like, not only does he have no morals, but, like, no redeeming qualities whatsoever. And these can be so many different things. Like, like, like just a reason why you want to follow this character. So, like, sometimes it could be enough that they're funny. It could be that they are uh, skilled at a particular thing. It could be, um, 
you know, in other cases it might be that they're nice and empathetic, but in th this is clearly not the case. Um, and for me, like, I just, there was, like, pretty much, from my recollection, nothing that, like, I could hang on to because the whole time I was looking at this guy and I was like, this is a grifter who just wants the money. And I, like, I, at no point did I kind of, like, empathize with him and i do feel like the movie wants you to empathize with him um not to think See, what I, he's doing i don't is, yeah. i don't think well let me i don't think sure, they're ever sure. saying that what he is doing is a good thing but i think i think that the movie is like trying to be like like empathetic towards him which like i understand doing that i as a director and a writer myself will often feel like antagonists bad people villain like those kind of like it's not as interesting to black and white them to just say like because they're evil they have no humanity i feel like that's kind of boring but this just like did not work for me at all when they were like trying to like certain scenes when he's like like affected by what so, like something that has happened i just mm -hmm. like it didn't work on me at any point i was just sure. kind of grossed out yeah okay i yeah, I just disagree. I, I think that sure. there's... We can move on if you want to. Yeah. Um, what will we do next? Well, let's talk about a positive. Sure. Uh, Molly, played by Lily Gladstone. Uh, yeah. The other side of the, the point. Yeah. I don't know. I had, I had seen a lot of reviews in this movie that it's like... A lot of people were saying, like, just the look in her eyes in, like, <laughs> scenes is, like, enough to, like, carry so much of this movie... Uh, and I think that's absolutely true upon seeing yeah. it. Like, just seeing her expression and everything that's going on within her, like, the the very clear levels of interiority, um, I I think it's very... Uh, she's incredible in this movie, yeah. She, she is absolutely incredible. And, like, again, going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Leonardo DiCaprio, a very well-respected actor. And Robert De Niro. And, yeah. and Robert De Niro, yes. Um, she's not with him quite as much, scene-wise, but... Yeah. But yes, like like when two she's other him, yeah. very phenomenal actors and like like well regarded actors. Um, she's I, I didn't know her from this, but like people know her from like Crash Course videos, and like oh, really? this might even be her first feature role. I'm not sure. Definitely her first like big role. Mm. Um, he'll do the research to back me up on that. But yeah. um, I was just like like really wowed by by her performance and the. Like, like some of the pitfalls one could fall into in that sort of role, just like kind of like the endless griever is hard because she is like through the whole movie is basically grieving the loss of her entire family and yeah. is also like has to be the sick person. And these are kind of like hard roles to pull off without feeling kind of like cliched and tropey. And I yeah. just like at no point did I ever even think about like that i just was i was totally believing the performance all the time um the people talk about the chemistry i've like i totally again like another common pitfall for like going up with a, a very prominent actor like leo is like mm -hmm. feeling like an imbalance in scenes that they share together and being like oh that's the i don't know if he's won an oscar yeah. but like that's the yeah. oscar nominee yeah and that's well, you the, won a revenant the, he did okay so that's the oscar yeah. winner and that's the new person who he's been paired with for this movie yeah. no point I no she like, dominates him in so many like her exactly. character cl is clearly yeah. yeah yeah so she was i would she is phenomenal 
Yeah. No, it's like, especially, like, she just, like, and this is a word I hear all the time, like, uh, it's like, an actor is a powerhouse. And it's like, she mm-hmm. is, like, especially, like, in the beginning of this movie, the, the, the dinner scene where, like, the joke was that up, leading up to this movie, they kept releasing, releasing stills oh, yeah. from the same scene, and it was just them sitting at a dinner table. Um, yeah. That scene's fairly early on. They're have it's like the first time they have dinner together. Um, in that scene, like she's so good, like she's so good, like she clearly like holds all the power. She clearly knows exactly what he is, but it's mm. just like you know, like just sees something in him that she likes, and there's like there's some level like it, it's just it's just really really well done she's so good i do also want to really say really quick i knew she was in another feature uh okay. it's called certain women because i think that this is the movie that oh, the cast i think the that. casting director had seen her in this if i'm not mistaken and i think that might have okay. been what led to it i i could be wrong about that but I, it looks like she's been in a few features okay fair enough yeah. um so oh what i was gonna say that scene um Oh, it's her, like, she's got, like, this great kind of, like, it's more more towards the beginning, but, like, she's got, like, this great, like, Mona Lisa smile, mm. and, like, it's kind of, like, that thing that's sometimes overdone, and I know that was a big part of, like, Knives Out 2, for example. I felt like, like, there was a very clear attempt at doing that by Ryan Johnson. And There's the literal mi- Mona Lisa in it, yeah. Your <laughs> mileage may vary on the success of the Mona Lisa, yeah. and I mean, like, Janelle Monae's Mona Lisa smile. Yeah, yeah. I do, I felt like this was, like, effortless Mona Lisa smile like like very like like you said is her eyes she's a a phenomenal eye actor um the coy kind of like knowing smile she knows what she's getting into but also like you can see her like being so charmed by this sniveling rot I don't know I do again like what do you see in this guy but um her performance so good and oh i i the other thing i was gonna say is like usually the oscars or historically they'll award instead of like the best of something it'll be the most specifically yeah. with acting it's like the best actor is actually like the person who did the yeah. most acting and it's always is, when they announce the nominees the clip they always show is them going like ah, ah. <laughs> they're like ah. they're like punching a mirror or something yeah yeah, like the Joker. Joker yeah, yeah, yeah. actors Joker. are always like, that's most acting. Or, yeah. Anyways, so like, that's like a very common cliche. I would say like, this is a perfect example of phenomenal acting that is so like subtle yeah. and pared down, not most acting. I, I do hope she wins. I guess I, this be best... is the best performance I've seen all year. Yeah. I don't, like, would that be best, best lead I think actress it... in a movie? I don't know if she'd be uh, leader supporting. I don't know how they classify it. Yeah. While we're on that topic, this is not really the movie. That's so stupid to like yeah. gender the categories. No, oh, other it is cat- very dumb. Like best female director, we don't. It's do also that. like, yeah. Also, case in point, yeah. Like they don't divide it for other categories. They also don't divide it in like film festivals. Like they'll just say like best yeah. actor. Like there's, so, there's like there's no, no reason. Yeah, and there's nothing inherently different about it. Just no. Like, <laughs> I mean, sure, it's nice to honor more than one person, but like. You do have that as best actor, best supporting actor. Yeah. You could also diversify it in a different way. Like I'm pretty sure the Golden Globes, not a super reputable institution right. in itself. But, not not the um, most diverse and champion no. of equity. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. but that at least that like I'm if I have it right, don't they have best actor in a comedy and best actor in a yeah? Film? Like and that makes sense. That makes sense. Variety, to me. honor more yeah. actors at a time. Yeah, and not to even mention like 
people who don't fit into that binary system. Yeah. It's so dated. I, yeah. I can't oh, wait to, for the Academy yeah. to change that. I think it's really dumb. They're yeah. just scared that like a woman will win one year. And yeah. what, what happens? What happens when a woman wins and no best actor? Yeah. They'll die. I don't know. They'll die. Uh, well, anyway. Hollywood will explode, actually. Hollywood will just... Like... D.W. Griffith will rise from the grave and mm. light the entire town on fire. He would do that. Yeah. Uh, anyways, more on, on the character. We've, we've done our, our mall, uh, Lily love fest. Um, this, is, this is a pitch I'd like to give. What I'm going to tell you right now is something that, like, this is kind of subjective and it is less about what the movie was and what I think was a more interesting story. It's a it's a matter of choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so hard hard to... I think it's fair to criticize this. So yep. I'll, I'll just get into it. I think so too. So the book... I think I know what you're going to say. So probably. I... I, I so, yeah. so the book um, is either from an objective perspective or from the Molly perspective. We don't know, but it's one of those two. It's right. surely definitely not from the perspective of Ernest. That was a creative choice by Scorsese. Now, let me tell you, boy, do I know and understand why he took that stance. Not only is he extremely familiar with that kind of story, it's kind of his bread and butter, the crime story, the um, morally dubious, or in this case, purely evil character, uh, and following their criminal exploits. That's just kind of what he does. And so the fact that like he saw that story and took that angle, not surprising at all. I understand. However, between... like. Lily Gladstone and also just like the story that history has constructed for us I do think that the Molly character is actually more interesting from both like a narrative conflict standpoint as well as just like not doing like not moralizing with uh not sorry not moralizing not empathizing with an evil human being so I'll, mm-hmm. I'll tell you kind of like the benefits of that so mm-hmm. In this fictional world where that's the movie that's been created for us. And Scorsese could have done this. His, I think his second or third feature was a movie called Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. Featuring, guess what, a woman. But, like, you know, so, like, he's done. Well, he, he, he's gone well, out of genre. Yeah. You know, he's done. He's been around yeah, the I mean, He's done different things. So it's when not I that said, he couldn't have done this. When I was saying, like, this is the movie you should make, I'm not saying because it's a woman. No, no, I'm not. I'm not accusing you yeah. of saying anything. Okay, I'm just, yeah. I'm just saying like, like that. This isn't even that far out of his wheelhouse because he's made films with female protagonists before. Anyways, sure. So things I like about that sort of like angle is like a genuine love versus suspicion and self-preservation. Um, because from her perspective, it's it seems like she actually does love Ernest, and it's kind of like that conflict of like realizing. Um, her husband is poisoning her not only that but like if this is this is again another separate choice but like the mystery of it is there is present for us we seeing seeing the movie as is we know that Ernest is the perpetrator and William Hale is the perpetrator Uh, in that version in in choosing Molly's perspective the phrase can you see the wolves in this picture rings so much more true because it is coming from the perspective of someone who does not know. Does he know? Um, and does kind of know. like that that turn, that mystery adds another layer of conflict that was missing in this, and we just know who it is the whole time. Even small things, small mysteries in this movie are not mysteries. So, like, who murdered 
the PI who murdered, like some of them, it turns out it was Ernest. And those, while they, sometimes they, they reveal it a little bit later, I feel like it's not something that we hold on to. It's not like a, a hidden facet of his character. We kind of know that he's involved. Mm. Um, there's uh, the conflict of just like, like one might say that because how the movie portrays Molly, you kind of mentioned this, like as an inactive character in the second half, I even myself, I was like, how, what would you do there? What, how would you keep the narrative going when she is not the active participant? She's not the one doing the events. But I, I think with a little more thing, like, like that's just the first, the obvious takeaway. But I feel like, I feel like there is something there, you know, families dying, um, combating like the physical forces, racism to try and stop it. Hiring the PI is something she does. She mm-hmm. goes to Washington. So she is active for quite a bit. Um, and kind of like that, like the encroaching feeling of like being surrounded um, and not knowing who to trust is in this movie. It is um, Lily Gladstone's doing a, an amazing job portraying that. But like that could that could have easily been the focus of this movie. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just finish this. Um, also another just kind of another interesting thing um, the merging of customs. This is something I picked up on when I was reading that article is that she grew up with like the traditional, she knows a language. She, um, Mm -hmm. an interesting thing about her character, she refused to do like, yes, she's Catholic, but she refused to do like white hair. So she Mm -hmm. had her traditional hair. She always had her traditional blanket where she, so she wouldn't change uh, to like the white clothing. Um, and even if you want to keep like the classic Scorsese like crime element, I think that's just an uh, there's an opportunity for like dramatic irony of like we know what is happening and we are seeing the killings and it is someone who's powerless to stop it. So again, this while that all of that comes down to like just personal choice of what kind of movie you want to make and and it's clear what Scorsese wanted to make and I I can understand that. The movie made is not um it doesn't mean that what he did was wrong but i still i'm kind of like taking the side of uh christopher coat the osage language consultant that we mentioned earlier who said like it is weird that we decided to take the per- the perspective of the racist person and make some of the conflict that he feels he loves her when he said like murdering conspiring to murder your wife's entire family that's not love and i feel like i feel personally again subjective but that is a more interesting story coming from molly's perspective and it's i found it a little disappointing that that is not what he chose to do albeit not surprising sure uh i again i actually don't think i hard even disagree with you here i think that that is a different movie and could be a very good movie um what i think is like the, I mean there's okay, so there are some fundamental disagreements like I we've I don't want to be a broken record but we've talked about it I like the lack of mystery I like that this isn't like uh something where that's honestly very suspenseful I think that one of the things I think is strong about this movie is that I don't think it ever becomes sensationalized and I think that mm. I would fear a white director taking on this story and making it this kind of more heightened conflict uh, like mystery would f- potentially veer into that. It doesn't have to, so I'm not saying that's an inherent pro. Like you can make that movie that doesn't do that for sure. 
but I was just saying like that, that would be a fear of mine. Um, and then I also think that, so like there's that fundamental difference of, I just, I think it's good that there's not much mystery here. Um, and then I also think that it's important to consider who this movie is for. And I think this movie is for non-indigenous people. Uh, and I, th- and I think it's fair to critique that too. It's fair to be like, do we need that? Does this movie really say enough? Does it really potentially motivate people into being more engaged with the history of their country? I don't know that it does. And I think that that's maybe a criticism I would level against it, where I think the ending point is trying to make it seem as though it's trying to make a point about like, you need to know these things. You need to be aware of this and you need to do something. And I, th- I think maybe it's maybe not going to be as effective, but if I'm not judging the movie by its effectiveness in terms of like what it's going to inspire and again, just what it is and what it's doing. I do think that showing this story to a non-indigenous audience. And I think that that's what it is like, is the, is a good way to go for this story as well. Because I think that indigenous people don't need to be told by Martin Scorsese that they were mistreated. And I think that like, again, like I'm not saying you, I think you can absolutely make that movie that is from her perspective. And I think you can make it great. Um, Yeah. I just think that I understand this choice as I think, as I've said, you do as well. Uh, And I just, I just like the product more. I just like the outcome more. I don't even really disagree with anything with most of the things you've said there. Like, I think you can make a great movie. I think that, um, I think that, yeah, I think that centering it on her perspective, because I had that same thought coming out of the theater where I was like, well, realistically, like sh- it, this might be her, this should be from her perspective. But then I thought about why it might not be. Um, and then talking about the love thing as well. Like, I just think, I think that the movie does just portray, like, I think the movie does actually question if he really loves her or not. Like, I think that, I think it, he calls into question what love is if he really like as i think he clearly has this kind of paternalistic relationship with her i think that's evident in some scenes and i think that you can really question whether or not he actually does um but again i do think it's a valid criticism as well um, but that's my spiel yeah i i think the love in the movie is yeah i don't think it's i don't think it's a main question scorsese is investigating uh, i think it's other things maybe um i don't think he's actively i think it's uh yeah i don't think he's actively asking does he love her i don't think that's the central question i, I don't know if it's the, the central this... i i don't think it's the thesis but i actually do think it's a big part of it i think asking i think again like i said asking why Ernest is doing the things he's doing and like what like what this guy is and trying to investigate trying to examine and investigate that is like it's akin to investigating some of like the broader ideologies of America. Like I think that that's what it it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a stand-in of that. Um, and I think that I do think that the love thing is part of that. I, While not being the main centerpiece, I do think that's part of yeah, that. Yeah, I might just have to disagree on that. I don't. Sure. Yeah. Because I I feel like at times it is un yeah i i just never felt like that was a question marty was positing on the screen it was maybe something he was thinking about does he love her actually 
but like I just felt like it was either there or it wasn't hmm. and sometimes well, t- it was there sometimes it was there and that was like weird where I was like this again like Christopher said this is man who is conspiring to murder her entire family and her and yet the portrayal of him so often is like when he is with her of just like love and I I don't think that was what I honestly what the point of the movie is other than just like this happened and oh I guess I guess it's the the banality I think the banality of evil is like the main thing and I think definitely Ernest is part of that and kind of uncovering his complicitness um, and deciding how much he wants to be involved in that um, so like that is that is the arc I see Scorsese tracking and not so much does he love her yeah I mean it's just another disagree thing because like again even in the seasons where even in the scenes sorry not seasons where um it's a show no sorry uh even in the scenes where he is like being more tender and loving loving with her he i think he's coming from a point of of somewhat domination and somewhat like maybe domination is not the right word but of of feeling some kind of upper hand and still looking at her as something that is less than him uh and i think that that's evident when he has one outburst at one point again where he like kind of loses it on her and like just completely belittles her i think that almost every scene where they're being tender he's lying to her like he's just straight up lying and i think that again like the movie's not pointing to it really hard but i think that scorsese has a very nuanced and subtle touch in this movie and he doesn't necessarily need to point to something super hard and i also would say that my reading of the movie isn't also necessarily what Scorsese's intentions are. I'm just contending with what I see and what I see is also a product of my own thoughts, my own experiences, what I've read, what I've consumed. And so I I would say, even if I think, even if I don't know if Scorsese is asking this question, I do think it's in the text that that question is there. I know the scene where he's like yelling her. I, yeah, I recall. I don't know. I just, I personally never felt that, that was okay. something that was being under anyways uh one other thing you said though was like who is this for i i disagree the the the, the idea that for this movie to be for there's like a couple of things so it's what the idea you're taking is that a movie that centers molly is inherently for indigenous people that's not what and i'm a saying movie, well what you're saying, saying is that like you're saying that the when, when we were discussing why choosing Ernest over Molly as the lead character is, who is this being made for? And you said that the movie for, this is not a movie intended for indigenous audiences because they already know. It's no, for people what, who are new to that and like, right? No, let me, let me clarify. That's not okay. what I'm saying. No, what, let me clarify that. What I'm saying is, yeah, like you can make a movie that centers Molly that is also not for indigenous audiences. What I'm saying is that this movie is trying to tackle specifically like the soul of corruption and dive into that. And it's trying to place you in the seat of that, particularly as a, as a non-indigenous person living in America or Canada or, or any other sort of colonial country. And I think that I'm just saying the choice makes sense in that context exploring that for that audience to center it on him i'm not saying you can't make a movie that's not for that's 
targeted towards non-indigenous people that centers Maui. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, because that's yeah. So I'm disagreeing with what you had said, but you've clarified. But to the, to the but that's not what I said. That, Just to be clear, like that's not what I said. To be clear, to the, to the concept, like um, I think that a movie centering Molly can still be about the banality of evil. I think it is mostly what this movie is. I think just changing the perspective, I don't think the theme has to be any different. It does mean that you are not you are not complicit. And I suppose in theory that is like an interesting idea of, like you said, this being for again, what is for, what is intended, like these are and like demographics, it's hard to like even talk about that in like what does that even mean? I don't know, but like the fact that let's say it's let's say it's quote unquote made for the white audience who doesn't know or whatever like it's it is it can be an interesting idea that like we, like are we complicit like that's kind yeah. of what it's asking you because we are white are we in like so like okay like i i i can understand that angle i suppose but that's that's I, the broad like that's why i think you're put you're put in the place of a soulless person and asked to reflect on like the general soullessness of the country. Yeah. And that that's um, what I'm saying. I, and I'm saying I and again that point now, yeah. and I agree you can investigate the same themes, but you're not it's not going to be the same movie and you're not going to get at that same point. And I th- again, you can make a very strong movie with what you're saying. I'm I'm not disagreeing there. But yeah, I, to your point, the difference between those two movies, the Molly movie is the viewer is on Molly's side and is feeling I okay so so there's benefits to both it to to help the um on the side of the the Molly centered story instead of being complicit it is you're put in the shoes of the indigenous person and in that case you are feeling the effects of the complicit banality of evil etc um but you are not at fault and so the pros of that would be like now you like you understand what it feels like um kind of like like that's the angle if you're watching this as a white person again this is it's weird to talk like because then it's like like you're making this movie for one demographic of many it feels weird to talk about it like this but like for at least for 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 an artistic venture from martin scorsese this movie makes more sense in, in this particular regard because he is he's asking himself maybe I don't know if he is, but you know, am I complicit the as the white filmmaker seeing like not not seeing himself in earnest, but like just demographically they are the same. White straight men, right? Um but yeah. I don't know. We can okay. move on though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I just just reiterate like I yeah, I don't I don't think we really disagree that hard on just the prospect no. of the Molly centered movie. I I think yeah. Right. No, I, I I'm just, I'm saying that I do understand the the like how the enticement the enticing idea of making a story that puts that like points the finger at you the audience member. Yeah. I think this movie kind of does that. I'd have to, I think I'd it have does to that. think about that. And, I'd have to think about that more because I haven't considered And I, to me, like, the reason I like that as well is that there are a lot of, 
is that like the like settler people never like blow up at each other really like they never get that mad at each other even even towards the very end like uh when leo is talking to de niro in prison and he's talking about i'm going to testify against you it's almost like he's like apologetic about it and i think like it's like again this idea of just like this is your people like this is your people are the are colonizers your people are exploiters and like that is the web you're a part of and so yeah like i i just think like the idea of complicity is examined very well from that perspective yeah um what else do we have to talk about do we Um, want to talk about something that is more just filmmaking to shift gears a little bit why don't you take the lead on something if you have sure. something in mind? Uh, or I don't know. Do you want to round out? Because I think, I feel like I've said a good chunk of my piece about what I about thematically oh. and and okay. representationally what you want to say. Mm-hmm. But um, well, I know that there are points you want to get into. But why don't we do that then? What do you? What was your next point? Because uh, uh, you talked about the violence. I'm, I am interested in talking about that actually as well. Sure. Okay. So tone. We'll, we can discuss tone. Okay. Um, so yeah, this I, I kind of got most of my energy out in the first, in the the non-spoiler review. But yeah, this movie has I have two issues with tone in this movie. One seems like it goes hand in hand with the crime aspect, and that is the violence in this movie. So it's I get it, I understand why a crime movie, which as as ostensibly is what this is why it has violence. Martin Scorsese historically likes a little bit of violence in his movies. Not huge violence, not like Tarantino is not what we're talking about, but like his movies are violent. And personally, again, this is just as an audience member, there were certain things that were really hard to stomach. And I know, I know that is the point he was trying to make. Like, man, this violence is really horrible isn't it and i'm gonna make you watch it and sometimes i just felt like that was in fact the wrong way to do that okay Uh, and and i can elaborate a little bit on that i found that forcing us to watch indigenous people most of this movie it's women too just getting murdered in horrible ways was so unnecessary sometimes it was like i could see like like there's and there's levels so early on there's like like a montage where people are getting killed that is not so much what i'm referring to as the scene like when we see anna get murdered really randomly too because this happened in the past and that is a flashback cutback kind of like to pre previous events as we now have been told what happened and we are forced to watch that happen. Uh, now, that is not the one I take most issue with. Mm. The one I take most issue with is the death of Rita, uh, the explosion, the, the house bomb. Um, there's a scene, if you have not seen it, where they're looking for the bodies and we see uh, Bill and he's horribly injured. It, he did die later. I don't know if the movie ever mentions that, but he did die of his injuries. Um, he's horribly screaming and then we see Rita and she's clearly dead and she's lying quite peacefully oh, yeah. and looking unscathed um, 
um, um, like amongst the wreckage. And let me tell you, this is, I doubt this was in the book, but what Scorsese has decided to do as writer and director uh, is the characters pick up her body and the camera switches to a low angle perspective so we can see the back of her head and like her brain like falls out of her head and like even thinking about it now it is so sickening like like that as an idea removed from any sort of like um modern like or, or like real issues uh systemic issues like that removed is gross that is a gross thing it was probably going to impact That's me true. either way but like the fact that it is this subject this subject matter indigenous women like there's like it's such a big part of like canada especially truth mm. and reconciliation and it, i know it's not as big in the u.s so like a lot of my viewing is like knowing that i don't think a canadian filmmaker would have done half the things scorsese decided to do also as an older filmmaker i know there's just like different perspectives anyways mm -hmm. i found that really insensitive to just show like this horrible thing and again his point is clearly isn't that horrible i agree with you that's so bad but to force audience members to see some of the violence perpetrated against indigenous women i just i was i was really offended by that personally yeah um, i i can actually jump in in that i agree with you about that moment in that my problem isn't about forcing audience members to watch it i think it's just that that feels callous like it feels like because it feels like it's played up as a it's, it's a, a reveal it's a well i don't think gag is fair not but as it's a, a joke but like it's, it's a, a punchline sure it is it's a like punchline an, an yes evil anti-punchline yes no i agree and i don't like that i don't like that scene at all that is one moment where i actually do agree with you i think it's very callous i don't care about putting the audience in it like because i think like like the audience it's a disturbing story the audience might be disturbed my problem is just that like it, it is set up in a way that i don't like i agree with that moment i just don't think that for the rest of the movie and the rest of the murders it's generally veering into that i think sometimes it shows a bit of gore sometimes it'll show a body for example that is a little bit like like it's it's bloodied and and but i actually think that a good chunk of the movie is fairly restrained like I don't think I think that there are moments where it's very violent like that and it's very gory but I think that to me what I don't like about this scene is that that feels very sensational and I don't like that I don't want this to be sensational yep. at all what I like about other scenes in this movie is that they don't feel sensational they just feel bleak they just it's just it's a static shot and someone got shot in the head and it's just like an objective like and there's not too much blood it's just like this is what happened and you just have to contend with that. And so those those scenes, while horrifying and disgusting, those ones I feel better about. I agree with you that this one I feel very badly about. I don't like the, the Rita one at all. Um, but And there are maybe a few other times where I'm like, I don't know if we need to see a hand that's like severed. There are other times right. as well where I agree, I agree on that front. But I think that in, in general, the movie is actually showing... A restrained hand, a, a restrained approach to this. Yeah, mm, yeah. So, so clearly that is the one I have the most issue with. Yeah, I did find the hand thing, and even that is like, that's not an indigenous person's hand. That is the white 
a still female and a young girl's hand uh i did find that quite gross as well and i think i think what you're getting at is true it's like the sensationalization of it instead of more of an objective it feels almost like reveling in it it's the the gag not gag but like you know the punchline nature of it like like oh i'm really making a point about it and i that's what i take issue with and then to elaborate on the anna one i it just makes no sense to me that scene feels so out of place because we have already we know anna is dead from a much better scene when that's first revealed where we're walking down the steps and you see Lily Gladstone's face and she is like so scared about what she's going to see. People are turning around. It's that motif mm. of heads turning to look. Um, and we don't get a great glimpse at what the body looks like. It is horribly decomposed, but I found that far more tasteful um, and respectful. Mm. And then they do kind of sensationalize it a little bit when they start sawing her head open and i found that was borderline like that one to my issue but that one felt motivated to me because it felt like a character moment of the settler people there i agree so that that's what i was going to say is why i think that scene is better crafted i think that's an example of sensationalized violence to make a point of like you said the callousness of the settler people doing it in front of uh, molly of molly like having to like witness that and listen to the sound and the sound mm-hmm. is played up and you see her covering her ears so i think and i think it focuses on her reaction more than the actual yes. sawing which is good exactly too, yeah. exactly so that's that's a scene where i think we get the point there and then later a character is giving testimony and describing how he killed anna and so like that between those two scenes for me I think that is plenty. I think going back to see the murder happen was completely unnecessary. And I, I feel what happened is that Scorsese is taking a different angle of like, you need to see what happened. You need to bear witness. And I, I understand why he took that approach and what he was intending. But I, I am saying, I think that is the wrong approach. And I think okay. those two scenes... One was more of a moment. The other one was the scene choosing to show the murder were unnecessary and like distasteful. Okay. Well, I like I said, I agree with the one. And then I sort of understand what you're saying with the other one. I do feel like at that point in the movie, it's an unraveling of any of the perhaps altruism or generosity that any of the set, white settler characters might have. And it's just like, it's like, again, it's in the context of the courtroom and to me, like, this idea that Leo is now redeeming himself being contrasted with that, where it's like, okay, but, like, the other guy who was the husband of this woman, like, did this. And, like, the, that's his family. Like, that's, that's like, his people. Like, and so I, I do understand another function of it as well is just being, like, like, no, like, we're gonna, like, we're unraveling any of the goodwill that might have, mm. that ostensibly exists towards the Osage people even from like a screenwriting perspective like this is kind of going into a different uh kind of angle on this but like from a screenwriting perspective i'm surprised that you are okay with seeing a scene that has been described to us already no it's not, because because it's, it's different yeah but like but it that's what my problem is my my issue is that we hear the testimony 
and then we see it happen and i don't remember if there i thought maybe even there was a gap between those and i i can't recall if that's the case but another just issue i have with this and it's related is that we've heard the testimony and then we have to see the events and there's nothing different there's no new information there's no contrary information in the scene itself it is exactly verbatim what was told to us verbally in the testimony and so i see that as a redundant scene and because it is redundant that is why i then feel it is distasteful because it is not it is not propelling the narrative it is not adding to the story it is a detour an unnecessary detour to show more violence against indigenous women again i don't think these were intentional things Scorsese. i don't i'm not saying that he intended that in any way but that is the effect that i'm getting from what he chose to do okay yeah i mean we just disagree again i just think like and i think that yeah i think that well it is it is what they is described i just it's what i was saying i think it's just part of a broader point being made towards specifically towards that point in the movie like to me it's important that it's happening later in the context of the courtroom in the context of it's kind of come out like that's what's important to me in this unraveling um and so yeah we just disagree on that sure uh, the other issue with Tone that I have is the comedy nature of this film. Yeah, this one and I'm this confused is... about because I can point to, like, one scene that I thought was comedic. I can think of three to five. Like, okay. there, are, there are moments, there are several moments where not only am I, like, knowing that sometimes, sometimes I kind of laughed because I knew, like, it is, it is trying to be funny and, like, I get it and I get the joke and sometimes the jokes are funny but like when you reflect on it it is I found it wildly insensitive so I'll I'll elaborate but um, and these jokes it is not just me there were several times where the audience because I was I was not in a packed theater but a semi-packed theater far more people have been in a theater with in quite some time Um, and there were some moments where the audience was laughing and I was like sick to my stomach i i just remember that feeling of like hearing the laughter around me and being like that is so fucked up that you were like that not only that you were laughing but like that someone wanted you to laugh during this uh i understand what's an example yeah Uh, well i can i can list them but like i understand the impulse of like this is a bleak story and wanting some amount of like um release from that but i think that's the wrong move i think that i think that kind of takes away uh the humanity actually so um the one that sticks out in my mind most is a scene where one of the really unscrupulous um characters is described is he's he's um he has some in no his indigenous stepchildren i think Anyways, sure. That that one is a joke. That one I know. That was the first thing I thought of. Yeah. So so that's that's my biggest one. It's the one that I can recall most, but it is not the only instance. Although I might have trouble recalling what the other ones were. So, um, in this this one is this white character has inherited sounds wrong. It is now in charge, like has the care of these indigenous children, who he. I think it, I think they're his stepchildren from a wife who died. He probably killed her. 
um, and he goes to the insurance person and he says, if I adopt these kids or if these kids are mine um, and if they die, do I get their head rights? That's the term that's thrown around in this movie, meaning their inheritance, um, mm -hmm. their rights to the oil. And the insurance person says, um, no, that sounds like you're going to adopt these children and then murder them. And that is very clearly played as like a joke because it is just so upfront he is about how, about his banality of evil. But like, I also feel like, again, that is actually contradictory to the banality of evil because it's now sensationalized. It is, this particular instance is played for a laugh. And I feel like a banality of evil is not funny. I, I think that's a wrong approach. And then also I think making a joke about murdering indigenous children it just is not funny to me at all i found that that one in particular really disgusting um but again not the only like joke in this movie and jokes that are in the latter half specifically when it is getting quite grim and again the laughs are played not at the expense but like it is it is taking away the seriousness of what is being portrayed. And I found that to be just a, a poor, distasteful uh, choice, artistic choice. Yeah, I do disagree with you about that scene as well. Um, in that, so like you were in, and this might also be a difference of reception that say you were with a bunch of people in your theater. I was not. And so that moment was completely silent for me as well. Like I could definitely see the reaction of if a bunch of people like really laughed at that, I could definitely see like being very much turned by it but to me while it is played for comedy it's not like a a knee slapper like you're supposed to it's a it's a very like grim joke like it's not i don't think it's played as like you're going to laugh very hard at that like and maybe so if that's what happened in your theater like that's different obviously but like for me like i didn't laugh at all i recognize like that's a joke but i didn't i didn't laugh at all because to me like that was if anything like it just again like this is the part of the movie where it's like oh no really like they are all in on it and none of them care and that's what this moment is to me is that like he's actually just upfront about it and he doesn't feel any shame about um he doesn't feel any shame about being that upfront about the fact because he even responds to that after and he's like it's it's like the implication is like yeah like yeah. he's being upfront about like he that's says, what he's he says gonna do. yeah if i can get away with yeah and i think that like what's funny about it is just that it's so absurdly evil like it's 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 an absurdist joke it's not like a setup punchline but like that's not so it i think we might be just seeing it differently but like i saw it just as like the joke is how absurdly horrible it is and it's so horrible to such an absurd point that you just kind of have to you almost have to laugh at it because it's just like I can't believe what I'm seeing. I can't believe that. And so I think in the context of unraveling it, I I disagree that it's playing as something that is meant to make an audience go wild. And I don't think it's a super sensational moment either. And so if it did happen in your theater, but also acknowledge just because it happened in your theater doesn't mean that was that's what it is. Even though some people might take it that way, that doesn't mean that that's what the mood like. Again, like I don't think intentions are 
artistic intentions are are weird and that's a weird area to wade through but like my theater had a decent amount of people in it sounds like it was less than yours and not a soul laughed at it like no one laughed and so like yeah i okay i think you're mischaracterizing like your your idea of like the badoomed like that's i think we all know what kind of joke this is it is yes the absurdist bleak black comedy but like i think i get it i get the point that just how upfront it is i just think objectively it is something it is, i think i think objectively it is a joke i think the way that the reaction is played it is set up punchline like I think objectively it is constructed as a joke. I I'm not disagreeing. Again, with we that. we don't know intentions, but like that's what it seems like to me. Um, and I think a joke about murdering indigenous. I just I didn't find that funny. I'm glad your audience didn't find it funny, but the fact that um, mine did kind of speaks to just like this perspective. Again, like like the the fact it it, rem- it draws attention to the fact that this is a movie not made by indigenous people for indigenous people right. and when that really bleeds through are the moments that i'm just that it feels the most insensitive because you're not considering the viewpoints and it's so strange because it's like we want so much to like for this movie specifically to talk about how horrible what happened hap- like how that happened and then discounting a whole like like we want to talk about it so much, but we don't want to actually consider that the people who we are portraying and talking about might see this, that they might be offended by this. And I, I mean, I can't speak for them, but like, I just, I can't imagine that an indigenous person would find some of these things funny or like, you know, like I just, uh, again, I, sure. it's hard to speak for people. Like, that, I'm, I'm that's, not, but that's that's my general perspective as well as like i don't i can't know that i can't know how this is going to be received and i think that like that's going to be like that's an important conversation around this movie i can just tell you how i'm seeing this and how i think it's being set up and i just i actually why i was surprised about your point about comedy is because i actually think that he foregoes like his kind of classic sense of comedy for the vast majority of this movie. I think that it increasingly just becomes bleak. And I think that it just like winds down into something that like that moment again, like I agree it's a joke, but I just don't think it's like a joke you laugh hard at. Like, and that's it's just a fundamental, it's a different way of seeing it. Um, and I think that that's the way the movie goes is that it just, it, it just winds down like that. Yep. Uh, other things we can talk about because we're just yeah. Um, speaking of like this is very brief, but like speaking of representation and who this movie is for and whatnot, like I found the the portrayal of Osage people very strong and like good in the beginning, and slowly but surely, as is what is happening in the community, I suppose. But like they are pushed aside in this movie in favor for the white people arguing and again i think it's that's the choice of perspective you know um deciding to focus on like the complicit nature of white people and knowing that martin scorsese is 
uh, isn't Marty, is Marty Martin? I keep calling him that. I don't know if that's right. I, knowing I think that, he goes by Marty sometimes. Knowing that Marty is white and probably making this for white people, whatever that means, you know, um, it's, yeah, I just, I just was quite, cl- I noticed quite a bit that the focus drifted further and further from the indigenous characters, including, like you said, Molly is way less active. She is bedridden with poison, but, you know, nonetheless, I, I did find that it does become kind of like the movie where, like I said kind of earlier, the, the two white guys are conspiring to murder people, and then it's the white, mostly white, FBI agents fighting, and then the white lawyers, and it's like, it's all artistic choices, and... Um, I'm just going to have issue with them and it's okay if you don't. Cause like, that's, I don't know if I can say that makes the movie bad. It's kind of like the Oppenheimer thing yeah. where the choice of like, it's not a woman, a woman heavy movie. And yeah. especially in that one, you can say like, that's just the reality. Like, and also just an artistic choice. Like if Sophia Coppola had made an right. Oppenheimer movie, it would look very, very different. But I feel, I feel I don't know. I feel a little more strongly about that in here. And Capper to that point, um, the community is like kind of Western. It is 20th century already, but like still kind of like a Western frontier town is basically only white in Osage. And I do not think that was the case. I'm pretty sure there were also, and also like I, to be, you know, uh, transparent about this, I did read also that this was not exactly the case. There were black people there. There were Mexican people there, sure. completely absent in this movie. I don't, there was one black person, and they were part of like the robbery, the botched robbery, not named, no lines, and I, I can see why part of that, maybe maybe part of the choice for that is the fact that a lot of, um, it's the kind of like the 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 race uh, conversation this movie wants to have is about white people, and the the real truth of the matter is that the Osage people had black servants and Mexican servants as well, and that paints a very different picture. Um, I don't, I don't think it was slavery at this point. Um, I could be wrong. Slavery was abolished by this point, if I'm not mistaken. I'm very bad on history, but, um, but like I can see how a movie where, like, because the point of the movie is like, look at the white people, they're vultures, they're trying to take the money, and it feels very different if. Um, you kind of have like messaging that says other things. So I I understand the choice to do that, but I also feel like that's just another thing where it's like, it's centering, it's a story about indigenous people and centering it around the white people in that story. And it's an artistic choice and it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, but I think it's bad subjectively. I think it was a, a, a choice and I didn't, care for it and i would have preferred a different choice yeah i to me it does sound like you want and i don't want to put words in your mouth it sounds like you wanted someone other than martin scorsese to tell this story and i think that that's fair but i'm just thinking about like again just what the movie is and i think it's pretty successful Mm -hmm. at what it is so so that's a good question um because like again Martin Scorsese could tell a story that is focused on right? the indigenous people. No, we, let me finish. He could. The question is, 
how well would he explore that? How, how, like, we're both talking is like, we don't know how indigenous people are going to feel about this story because we're both white people. But Martin Scorsese also wouldn't know that. So to me, him making that movie would be a little confusing. Like, depending on what it is, it depends on what it is. I'm not saying it's impossible. But, mm-hmm. yeah, so, okay. I, I, I think that there's a good point to be made that, like, maybe someone else should have told this. I think that's fair. But I yeah. think that I think that this is the movie that we got. This this makes sense. This makes sense, and it's... So, yeah. three, three counterpoints. One, I understand your impulse to evaluate the movie we have, and I think it's fair for me as well to evaluate the movie we had and say this was not maybe the best way to tackle i think that's still yeah. addressing the movie as it is so yeah that's one two not i do think that. and you did you did say this so this isn't yeah. necessarily agreeing uh, disagreeing with you but um martin scorsese absolutely could have made a movie like that is centered around molly's character that centers around the osage people would it have been strange historically yeah i mean white people make movies starring white people a lot that's kind of what they do i also don't think that i think it's i i understand the feeling that like if you don't know if you're not part of that world then just kind of like feeling like maybe you should step away from it and like not be involved that's an okay impulse which leads me into my third point maybe you're right (laughs) maybe someone else should have directed a story about indigenous people um and I, to talk. be clear, I think that's ideally true as well, actually. Like, the, I, the third... Yeah. yeah. A, a good comp for that is the fact that Spike Lee was not originally going to direct, direct Malcolm X. Somebody yeah. else was. A white director. I don't remember who it was. But I think it was him who went up to the studio and said, you're, le- you're making... Like, a white director is going to direct, direct Malcolm X? And, like, you know looking back on it it's absurd to consider that anyone else yeah would have done that movie and i think that movie is so powerful because it was from the perspective of of an african-american and it's like again the same deal with this movie you could take the white perspective and do the banality of evil uh that killed malcolm x or well i don't know the history that well i think he might have been killed by other black people but um, or the FBI, I don't remember. Anyways, um, but equally like interesting or maybe more subjective, the indigenous perspective. I'm rambling. I'm going to stop talking. I think yeah. I'm sure people get the point. Yeah, I'm saying just based off your third of the third point there of it being like maybe someone else should have told us. That's why I actually think it's a it was a pretty good decision to do what he wound up doing, and so we can leave it there. Oh, which was okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. We can talk about uh, direction, though. Sure. Um, do you have some some praise that you haven't uh, given out yet? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just think that the directing in this movie is very top-notch, and I think that's seen in that all of the characters, uh, I think, are really good. I think all the performances are really good. I think their chemistry between all characters, and I don't just mean, like, quote-unquote romantic. It's not romance, but, like, you know what I mean, between uh, chemistry between Ernest and Molly... Um, I think that that's all very good. Yeah. And then I also just think like, this is kind of, this is the kind of filmmaking that I love, which is just bare bones. It's just 
it's just good decisions and it's just very good shot choice and it's the right shot choice and it's not trying too hard to do something that's has too much of a flourish um like so for example and like the characters feel small and they feel they feel like they're being like pushed in and i don't mean that like the world is closing around them like they're claustrophobic that's not what i'm saying but i think that the shots reflect this kind of perspective in that there's so many great two shots that are full and the characters are just kind of segmented to the side here and then when they do cross that line and the proximity between characters becomes big it almost feels like the scene gets bigger like the scene where leo starts like snapping at uh at molly's character where ernest starts snapping at molly's character at molly uh like that's one where i can think of in particular where he kind of is on this other side of the screen and it becomes very oppositional and i think that the movie plays with this duality of oppositional oppositionality uh mixed with supposed benevolence in some points um i think that there's just like again there's just little things like when robert de niro when ernest and william are having their conversations about what they're doing it's filmed in this very like tight dirty way and they're often in a bigger room like they're having this side conversation and like like it really it feels like it's this thing between them there's this really great shot when where they're in that it's kind of like a club barbershop sort of thing like that people get the people get yeah, shaved the there tables. but there's also pool tables yeah. um and like there's this really great shot where they're having one of their conversations in and there's this high angle that segments them into the corner of the room and the corner of the frame kind of separating them from the rest of what's happening in the room and what i think is great about it is that on one hand it shows like oh they're doing this thing that's illicit and they're they're doing it like not to be seen and they're kind of having their own conversation in their own world but then also given the developing context of the movie especially when the movie becomes it's like oh no what actually becomes apparent about it in retrospect is they're doing this in this space and you're seeing this full space and you're seeing everyone else here like look at where they're doing this look how out in the open it is um and so i think that like i could go on and on about shot choice like the choice of the choice of pov shots is incredible in this movie the utilization of pov shots is i think top notch the one shot we mentioned where everyone's turning around and it's the spot the wolves picture is a prime example when molly's going up to see that is that anna at that point that has been murdered yeah anna's being murdered or anna's body at that point um i think that that's another good one there's another just subtle one where molly is she's gotten more and more sick and she just sees these vague reflections through this kind of tinted window and it's just like the amorphousness of the people the outside there she she just sees voices that but there's also one that's slightly earlier and it's oh. just it's when Ernest and someone else come into the room i don't remember exactly who but it's just a great visual moment of like these are nebulous people to her like these are people who she can't see through and they are kind of these shadowy figures um i th- i just think like i i think the direction is like really really top notch here yeah, um, I, I'll say that most of the time I wasn't thinking too much about the direction. Um, I do think that, like, just as a general, like, how I felt about the movie generally, I think, you know, Martin Scorsese knows how to make a, an engaging crime movie. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, the fact that it didn't call attention to itself most of the time is a good thing. Um, the shots that I did notice... Um, 
were few and far in between and usually they were like pretty good so like the the wolf one i, I really really like um the and the one going into the canyon uh there was um what was i gonna say uh i liked Mm, or at least I noticed um, there's like the, the classic steady cam shop shot. As soon as it happened, I was like, oh, yeah, we're this doing is the, the, the Scorsese. Yeah, yeah, he's doing his good fellows. He does it a couple times. Know, like, yeah. I, I only picked up on it. Um, the one when they're in their house what? and they're going around like the, the living room of the house. Oh, okay. It's also when um, they get off the train. Might have been another. When he gets off the train right at the beginning, there's another one. That's all oh, I like it. But, yes. Yeah. Yes, you're right. That one, that one um, felt more natural to me. But the the other one, personally, I was just um, that was a moment where I was like, okay, he's you know he's let him go mm. off, let him pop off, sure. he's doing his thing. That's his th- it's like when Spike Lee does the double dolly thing. It's like it yeah. never feels it never feels like it's that's like, the okay. logical next step. It it always I always notice it's happening, but I'm always like, yeah, do it, hell yeah, man. Well, because you know it, it, it yeah. draws attention to itself. But it draws it's, att- uh, yeah. But you know, let's have fun. And the you know sometimes you want to draw attention to itself. I yeah. don't know if that breakfast scene was a scene that needed attention to itself, but you're exploring a new space. Whatever, I don't need to dwell on it. Do you see the split diopter? Yeah, I think it was split. That yeah, was interesting. The, with the that eyes, threw me off. I was like, whoa, yeah. With the eyes of the game? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. So, so there's a it's a shot way at the, like one of the first shots. Yeah. Um, and it's children peeking through like a, a tent i think it's made of branches so there's like little holes they can peek through mm-hmm. and one eye is very close and the other one is like a little bit like a regular kind of close-up size and the split diopter makes them both in focus i was like whoa yeah that's a big eyeball uh, that's a big eyeball that is true uh one thing i want to bring up and i you know what maybe maybe i can reevaluate this but there's there was one there was two scenes actually that I was like, why this? Why did you do it like this? And so maybe there's a reason. Uh, even if there is, I might just inherently disagree. But uh, And I think they were ones you had mentioned. So it's um, scenes. It, there's two scenes between uh, De Niro's character and Leo's character. And they're both relatively early on. One very early and one a uh, few minutes, maybe five minutes later. And they're shots where they're in Hale's house and they're just talking. Um and it is maybe like two minute long scenes. The second one's shorter. Uh, that is between the two of them, and it is singles, maybe maybe dirty singles, but like singles, single close ups for the entire scene. And the conversation is largely what I would say aimless. It is what sounds like rambling, and like especially the first one is like catching up with a, a relative you haven't seen in a long time and it goes towards both of them kind of lead towards more important things it becomes about like oh you should try and get in with that family you should yeah. try and marry an indigenous person an osage um you should yeah you know so that that's kind of like the direction of those conversations is it starts kind of um random and then goes to a more important point those two scenes i found at at best odd and at worst boring i'll even say and so those are both words that are like you know my just my own experience of them and i i think it's the again like i said kind of like aimless nature of the conversation 
you can have an aimless conversation, but I think the close-up means something, and this is a case where, yeah, like, I'll, you know, I'll stop beating around the bush. I found the direction of those scenes boring. Uh, it's, it's switching between two close-ups for two minutes is just not interesting to me. The characters do not do any blocking. Um, they are just sitting down the whole time. It's a sit-and-talk kind of delivery, and I actually just watched a video about how, like, a lot of modern filmmaking is sit and talk or walk and talk or, or stand and talk, sorry. Um, and, you know, that might have colored my perception a little bit, but like I do, I think just generally seeing two characters just sit and talk for two minutes in close ups, the shot size is not changing, nothing is changing, and the conversation is not. I felt like what was happening did not warrant how it was filmed, which is kind of like the prime job of the director. And so those were two scenes that I just found uh, oddly directed. I, Someone could maybe persuade me on what the thinking there was, but I I didn't care for those scenes personally. Yeah, I completely disagree with you. Those were I'm both shocked. scenes, those were both scenes that uh, like hooked me immediately. And I think that's because the subtext is very strong of them. And it's the establishment of the relationship between Ernest and William. Uh, like that he is this domineering figure that realist like Ernest is going to be his puppet for the rest of the movie and I think that that's what's happening in these scenes and I think it's very smart directing to keep it in the sh same shot because where it leaves you to focus on nothing but just what is happening on their faces and the really good performances that they're putting on and the development of of the subtext of the scene instead of doing too much and showing too much with the camera it just it makes you evaluate what is being said and think about the character that is put in front of you instead of distracting you and that's what i think is very strong about it i might agree with you if the whole movie played like that but it no doesn't. thankfully it's not so no i'm and, not even saying that and that's no i know you're not but that's what i mean to say is that the reason why i respect it as a good choice is because it's clearly this is how we're doing this scene because this scene is special for this and then other conversations are going to be different and then this and that you know what i mean um yeah. so yeah i I, def I definitely disagree with that sure i can i can see that being like the the explanation for why he chose to do it i also think that that is not the only way to achieve this same no, result. Like of I, course, I, but I, yeah, but that's I, like, true I, about any choice you could ever make in filmmaking. Okay, no, no, but I'm just saying, like, as a counterpoint, if that was the goal to make it seem like he was a puppet, I think there are more. Again, this is subjective, so it's fine if you disagree. But like, I think there's more dynamic ways to go about that, and I think Scorsese more than proves himself in the rest of the movie that there are way, interesting ways to film scenes. And, and those, those are scenes those are good were, for those scenes though. And I would argue that they could have been good for that scene as well. And maybe those scenes stick out, uh, and maybe that's the point. But they stick out because for me, because they are directed in just such an odd way where I I am focusing on what they're saying, but like I said, it's kind of rambly for a bit. Um, so yeah, I just think the context is very important. Like the context I've seen, like. I just disagree I'm, with broad yeah. state. I just disagree with, and I'm not saying that you're necessarily saying this, but I disagree with the broad statement that doing a scene this way is not good. So for example, like doing a scene, two minutes of shot, reverse shot, same shots. I just disagree that that's inherently bad. 
and just because there are other things you can do like again that's true about any scene and i think it's actually really good that this scene is placed again it's it's bookended with more stylish shots and it's bookended it's like we have the steady cam coming off the train with all that stuff and we have a variety of things in the town we have this and that and then we come down and we are sat down and it's like okay this is the beginning of it and like to me like it's a tonal setting it's a it provides gravitas to the scene and i think like it was i think it was a really good decision i just yeah hmm. I, I think, actually think i think that... i think that's not fair oh whatever not fair i can say whatever i want i that's not <laughs> what i that's not what i mean by that i just mean i just think that it's it doesn't make sense to me to say like yeah i guess it's just this works for me and so it doesn't make sense to me to be like well you, you should have done it this way because i think it's working very well as it is but i guess if it's just not working for you then that's Look, that martin scorsese can do whatever he wants but i'm saying that i found the way he directed those two scenes in particular not interesting i think yeah that, i just like think you said, you're wrong uh, that's okay and but like i said uh the um the the goals he may have been going for that you pointed out i i think there's just more dynamic ways to do it and i also think that like a scene should have a beginning middle and end and i think choosing to film it in such a way kind of diminishes the feeling of beginning middle and end and you look you can but film i think a, the text the same way the whole time but like i i think I the text like has it. that though but whatever i don't think okay. the text we just... i think it does inherently I mean... means the film has the scene has to be shot that way though that's not what i'm saying i'm saying the text has a beginning middle and end and so sometimes repeating the same point that is already already exists in another aspect of filmmaking is not necessarily the strongest choice so because i think the scene itself is written in such a way that has a i think i think a strong beginning middle and end i don't you don't necessarily need to punctuate those moments with the camera either agree to disagree um i do think i'm kind of over though i yeah i i have nothing more to, to say that's kind of it so very different sure. takes. So, uh... Yeah, I don't know that I'm quite done, though. Because oh, I, okay, sure. I do, no, I, I, I do have... Pick. I do just want to quickly say, I think the movie is very much about spirituality, and I think that that's true about... I haven't seen that many Martin Scorsese movies, actually, but I think that's true about a lot of the ones I've seen. I think that's true he's about... A, the, he's that's, spiritually Catholic, so, like, the Silence movie was very... Yeah, I just... It, but, like, but I mean spiritually, like, in general. Like, I'm not talking about... When I say spirituality, I'm not talking about a specific religion. I'm not talking about, uh, like, a belief in certain gods. I'm talking about, like, the spirit, if that makes sense. And, like, what this is as opposed to... As opposed to different aspects of the self, such as, like, the mind or the body or whatever. Like, okay. I think that it's very much about, like, the spirit... And I think that's true about, like, again, like, The Departed is what I was saying, I think is one that also very much feels about that. And I think that the juxtaposition of spirituality between the Osage people and the white settlers, I think, is very interesting in this movie. And that, like, it feels, again, and I've said this a few times, that's what I mean when I've said that. I think this movie, I think it portrays these people as devoid of spirit. And that's what, like, this... I think capitalism and colonialism have eroded this sense of spirit. And that's, I think that the movie is positing that that's the reason. 
and I think that that's there are a few moments that are showcased really well like I think that it's interesting the stuff with the owl is kind of interesting and I mean I'm I have some hesitancy towards that because I just don't know the accuracy of it I guess I'm just operating on the assumption that that's accurate and faithful to Osage beliefs and if it's not then I think that's bad but you know what I mean I'm like, operating I'm just, under the same assumptions don't worry yeah um and and then also the scene where the mother dies and she is greeted by these figures and we don't get an explanation for it but i think like i think scorsese is clearly trying to create sort of a testament towards like the enduring spirit of these people despite what's being faced especially considering that image is juxtaposed by the same shot of grief within the context of all these invade and in this new shot all the invading parasites the settlers have flooded the area and i think that like there's a lot of visual juxtaposition within that nature that i think is really well done in this movie and that's that's my last point okay yeah no i there, there were the moments of like uh yeah where, where we kind of see a a different world a subjective perspective of kind of like a spirit world or like um a spirit like a vision of a spirit so like that like you said the owls and the the i think they're supposed to be ancestors of lizzie q uh molly's mom um i don't oh, i the, don't think i hmm? sorry there's another great moment i thought of where it's when molly sees the owl walking in the door and we're told earlier in the yeah. movie that the owl signifies like the death both yeah. the death of yeah. her and the death of like the osage people is kind of the implication as well and then we see from practically the same shot Ernest entering like the same oh, I did way like that. and yes. like that like that's an example of like that visual juxtaposition that i think is very strong yeah i didn't yeah i didn't pick up so much about spirituality despite with the exception of like the yeah. very overt here's an owl it means something here's the mm -hmm. ancestors it means something i didn't read too much into it um but I, I i believe what you're saying uh but that one shot of the owl in earnest I, that was a good that's an example of just like smart editing and i mean yeah also that's that starts at the script level so like you know props to martin scorsese where they are due uh but i think that does wrap up our discussion so and we do have a segment that, yeah uh, and uh i almost now. want to for i almost want to forgo this like i'll say what so we the movie is called predator the podcast is called predator versus movies we asked the question softer we asked we asked the question would this movie be better if the predator for the movie predator was in it I, uh, no. We're not going to do it today. Let's, We're just, let's not worry about it. Let's feels just say, wrong. nope. Uh, uh, but we have yeah, a different thing. And let's move on to a different segment. <laughs> that is not uh, quite so offensive. Uh, well, it's not offensive, but, you know. Uh, feels it's just, it's weird. Yeah. yeah. feels odd. Um, yeah. We also, if we do Zone of Interest, I imagine we will not. We'll also <laughs> forgo for that movie as well. Yeah, maybe not. Just sometimes, new yeah. rule. Uh, we do have this thing called Predator's Picks. Peter usually introduces it. Uh, but he has left. Uh, that is the thing where we talk about things we have seen, uh, maybe read, listened to, etc. Uh, and maybe we will recommend them to you. Um, so I've seen a couple of things, more than usual, uh, more than last week at least. Uh, so I've seen uh, two movies in the Lumeathon I've been doing, and it is actually the end of the Lumeathon. It kind of dragged on for a little Did bit. Did you watch all of them, or was it, were there some Absolutely that were omitted not. from There's it? so many. Oh, really? There's so many. Oh, okay. he, he was prolific. He did a lot. Oh, okay. And some of them are, are like, filmed stage plays, so it's kind of hard to oh, weed okay. out what is a yeah, movie. Yeah. But, like, 
I probably didn't even do half. Like I did. Oh really? I think I maybe like twelve. I chose twelve, mm. which okay. is a lot. That is and a lot. Like sometimes more than a filmmaker makes in their entire life. So crazy. Um, so I watched Running on Empty, which is a River Phoenix movie. I've never mm. seen a, a, a movie with River Phoenix in it. Indiana um, Jones three. I have seen one movie with uh, River Phoenix <laughs> in it. Talented kid. Uh, I understand why people uh, grieve the loss of him. I understand that. Um, I mean, grieve the loss of anybody, but right. yeah, he was, no, he, was he was a talented, uh, gone too soon kid. I'm so bad at this. Um, anyways, Running on Empty is a movie where um, two Vietnam protesters had bombed a napalm lab in the mm. 60s, and this sees them some 20 years later, 1988, and they have a family, and they're still living on the run uh, from the FBI and, well, anyone. So they are always moving, and so kind of like that, um, you know, pardon the term, army brat kind of life of, like, constantly moving around, but this is now, like, the kind of criminal on the lam kind of angle, and it is a coming of age from the perspective of mostly from River Phoenix's uh, character. Great. People actually, like, I've noticed, like, don't, like, I didn't see, like, glowing reviews for this one, and I was kind of like, mm. it's actually, like, pretty, really good. I wouldn't call it, like, a masterpiece either, but right. I thought it was really well done. I find that most of Sidney Lumet's movies ha have, like, something for me that I really like. Just really great direction. Um, I like that all the characters... Like, mo most of the characters get, like, um, like sympathetic and, like, empathetic arcs to them. Um, sort of minor spoilers, but um, Judd Hirsch's character... Judd Hirsch is the dad, and I only know him from Fablemans as an old man. But mm. um, seeing young Judd Hirsch was... He's really good. <laughs> he's really good at that uh, in Running on Empty as the dad. And he, after they move... They have to move again right at the beginning. He learns that his mother died since he last saw her and he hasn't been able to be with his mother because he's on the run. Um, and he, he learned, he learned it's a one shot scene from a wide and he's just trying to get a new vehicle and a new license plate number. So he, and this person who's helping him out to do this tells him his mother has died and she leaves and he just kind of like walks quietly to his car and the camera does not move and he sits down in his car. We can't see him and we only see his feet. And it is such like an amazing portrayal of grief. I was mm. just like, wow, that's the Sidney Lumet effect. Uh, and there's another excellent scene later where the the, the kid's mom uh, sees her dad. She she goes to lunch with him. Mm. She's not on speaking terms with her parents uh, because they are kind of like conservative. And so they didn't uh, agree with what she did. And... Um, the, the kind of the, the issue of the, the movie is that River Phoenix is really talented as a musician and he is also about to graduate. He's in grade 12. And he's been going to school this whole time and if he goes to a university, like, it's implied that, like, they'll be found out. Like, he can't do that without jeopardizing the family. Mm. Um, and he wants to go specifically to Juilliard and they need his records for that. That's another issue um, because he's a, pe a pianist, I should say. Um, and so they're trying to contend with the fact that they might have to like let him go, um, and she visits her parents, and, or her dad, and her dad is like, "You can never imagine like 
having like not being able to see your child for 15 years and like the excellent irony of like that is exactly what she's considering doing yeah and then what really blew me away in that scene is the dad is just playing like the the lunch is like kind of like detached and kind of pissed off and like he isn't happy to see her he's kind of like surprised and more like angry and yeah reserved and kind of like not showing any emotion and being quite cold with her throughout the whole time and matter of fact and then when she steps to leave the restaurant he like gasps and like reaches out for her and i'm like getting chills like thinking about he's like no like and he makes like a guttural sound and i was just like holy shit like that's that's movies that sounds like something I gotta watch. That does sound yeah. like something I gotta so, watch. And it's not even like his best work. Like yeah. running on empty is not the highest on my Lume right. list, but like I'm glad I did this exercise. Um, yeah. And then the the other Lume movie I watched was Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. This is his last movie with Ethan Hawke and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, I just watched this yesterday, and so I haven't really processed it, but I didn't really love it. Mm. Um, this might be of the ones I watched. I'll have to recall what I saw, but like maybe my least favorite. I'm curious I... as to... So, mm-hmm. I'm sorry to cut you off, but just something I, something I always wonder about when directors have very long careers, especially st- stemming back to like... Lume st- stems back to like the 60s or earlier, 50s. no? 50s, yeah. 58 is the first and one. I'm curious as to... Do you see like a continuation of the same sort of sensibility of directing, or do you think that it was kind of updated and syncretized with like a modern filmmaking in the two thousands? What an excellent question. One of one for which I have an answer. Um, what is interesting also about the exercise that I the movies I chose to watch specifically is the fact that Running on Empty came out in nineteen eighty eight, and Before the Devil Knows Your Dad came out in two thousand and seven. Yes. So I basically skipped two decades of his career because like they're just not well regarded movies i kind Mm -hmm. of chose his most popular his highest rated films because i wanted to get a sense of his his best of sure um and that was really heavy like heavy in the 60s heavy in the 70s a few in the 80s and then the 90s were just like a bleak period of like okay movies from Mm -hmm. him and so I just, it was, so yes, to, to what you're saying, very jarring difference between really? running on empty, very jarring. Um, I think it, it might not be, fil- it looks like it's filmed on digital, okay. which was one of the many like, oh my God, what the fuck happened? What's going on here? Looks, yeah. looks bad. It looks oh, really? like visually, visually it's gross and it might be kind of like one of those things where it's like. Yeah, but it's supposed to look gross. Yeah, Maybe. I mean, the 2000s had a lot of that kind of trash digital aesthetic. I've actually been thinking about that a lot recently. Yeah. yeah, so it has the trash digital aesthetic, I think. Again, I'm not I'm not great with, like, picking out what is digital or not, but it right. felt like it was. Sure. Um, and this kind of is more of a societal issue than him, but, like, man, interior design in 2007 was bleak. <laughs> bleak. Like, and I guess more 2006, but, like, like the ugliest interiors you've seen in your life. It is. It was hard to look at, this movie. I gotta look up. I'm just looking up images of the movie. Oh, it's Aunt May's in it. Yes, she is. And, <laughs> boy, you see a lot of Aunt May in that movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, like, yeah, the interior design is hideous. Both Aunt Mays. 
There's two Aunt Mays in this movie. The other one is two? That's so funny. I had no idea. Whoa. Um, I only knew Marissa Tomei. Um, but uh, to kind of wrap this up, this movie is just, like, fine. It's one of those, like, like narratives where you kind of, like, you're following one character, then you go back in time to follow another character, then you go back yeah. to, and you're just trying to keep track of all the characters and, like, cool, I guess. It, it never, like, really grabbed me. I was just kind of, yeah, it was fine. And despite this being one of the more, at least more seen or more regarded movies, I was just kind of like, I didn't think much of it. Yeah, um, yeah so kind of a, a, a dull way to end the marathon <laughs> after like yeah. like really high highs, I think is the other issue. Yeah. But um, it was, yeah, it's just like, a, it's a fine movie. Um, and also like really corny effects. Like mm. whenever it's gonna do like a, a flashback and follow a different character, Every single time, it zooms into a close-up, and uh, then it goes, kink, 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 and it's like cutting back and forth, still images oh, to what's yeah, the yeah, new yeah. scene. So yeah. it's like, dar, 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 and like with a musical cue, and then then to that's the new funny. scene, and then it'll pull out, and now we're there. And I was just like, that that's the kind of thing that could either be awesome or no for it's, me. It's, so, it's, sometimes I yeah. love that, and then sometimes I'm like, no. Nah. <laughs> I found it like, that's one of those things that I'm like. Oh, a film student probably came up with that. <laughs> you know, like feels like an obvious choice. I, so I, I didn't care for that. But yeah. it's actually funny now that I think of it. Like it actually harkens back to one of his earlier films, The Pawn Broker, mm. which is one about a, um, a concentration camp survivor. And whenever he has flashbacks, it's the same. Somehow that feels different. That felt, even then I was like, mm, I don't love it. But this was worse. This was a worse version of that. Um, at least that was like justified. I can like yeah. you know, uh, I'll try and be faster on these next ones. Um, don't want to really super get into this, but I did watch Lost in Translation. We don't, we we don't have to open it. <laughs> we had an off-air conversation about that. I Aiden doesn't care for it. He thinks it's racist. I I think it's mean-spirited too. And I, think that's I agree that it is outdated, and the depiction of Japanese people is racist and uh, stereotypical. Um, in addition to that, I think it is a good movie. Um, and I wish that was not tainting that part mm. of the experience, but I was also, the way I decided to view the movie and it's kind of weird and cold to say, like, I decided to watch a movie a particular way, but I, I kind of let it inform the characters. So like Bill Murray is just kind of like racist. And I was just like, mm. I guess that's just part of who he is or like sure. insensitive. Mm. Um, and I think that the look at like two lonely people in a city feeling like they're out of place and the kind of like lack of narrative and just kind of like vibiness of it that I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed the filmmaking and the, the feelings they were getting at. Wish it didn't have that kind of like baggage with it. Um, it's just like a couple, there's a couple moments that I wish were cut. There's one scene with like a Japanese prostitute the, that is like, yeah. that is just completely unnecessary. Yeah. And the um, commercial, the commercial as well is like, yeah, we don't need to do this. That one I have less issue with. It's it, and it's whenever he's doing the accent thing, I'm just whatever. Anyways, so that's a movie I watched. Um, I watched some spooky movies. Rewatched Ooh. The Exorcist. Um, I liked it more than I did last time. I, yeah. Like one of those things where you're like, yeah. you kind of like, oh, that's what it is. And the second time you're like yeah. knowing what it is, sure. and you're like, oh no, this is, this fucks. This yeah, fucks. I think if you went into that like. 
wanting it to be and because you have the conjuring here a movie that's like a horror movie in the same tradition mm-hmm. as the conjuring where like you're really supposed to be like woo like you're, you're supposed yeah. to like ca- yeah i think that, that that would definitely do it but i i think i went into it knowing on my first watch like mm-hmm. kind of what it is and like i was struck immediately when i saw it i mean obviously i talked about it like last week or whatever but like yeah. especially like just the sense of dread that immediately gets into that movie just when he's in um I don't Iraq. remember where it's in Iraq where it starts. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still like that opening scene always confuses me, but I think yeah. I understand now and I think I'll love it on a third watch. Yeah. Um, but like, like the, I'm more and more understanding that like father Marin kind of has like the, the um, Max von Sydow character, the older, mm-hmm. the yeah. actual exorcist, like just kind of like has like this lore to him almost. <laughs> like he seems kind of like almost like a mythological feat, like, a person figure um yeah. the the demon is like no father yeah. baron no don't let him near me and i'm like so like he kind of has like this like the pope's exorcist kind of like reputation about him i think that's just yeah. so cool um yeah that's a movie that i'm like man william friedkin really popped off with yeah direction I, i'd I, be that was fun i'd be very curious as how you feel about the third one because it's a movie that clearly has flaws but is also kind of fire in like a lot of I, ways I'm probably not gonna watch that movie. Really? <laughs> or at least not for a it's long not, time. I'm... It's not like a trash movie. It's not like I know you might hear Exorcist three and think okay, but it's not. It's like a good. Mo- it's like a solid movie. It's it's more to say just like I have I have other things to see. You sure. know, I've got a I've got a substantial watch list. Go check me out on Letterboxd and look at my substantial watch list mm. of some like horror classics. Like I need to you know hit the yeah. books first. There's um. Nightmare on Elm Street, The Thing, Halloween. Nightmare on Elm Street not... is not great, I don't think. Okay, I haven't yeah. seen Poltergeist, Candyman, so like I kind of need to sure. go back to basics. Uh, I did watch The Conjuring, you did say. Um, uh, I didn't want to watch it, but I kind of mm. there was forces that compelled me to watch it. Um, Beth, Beth, Bathsheba compelled me to watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that it is Azuzu. one of one of the most popular. I had this list. This is nerdy, but like I made a list where it's like the top ten most popular films according to Letterboxd for every year from like 1960. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I just like cu- curious what they are yeah. and how many I've seen. So some movies that I said I would never watch are now unfortunately on my watch list, like begrudgingly because. Mm. I just kind of want that basic like cultural knowledge. Yeah. I want to be like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. So that's sure. on there. There's some other ones that I'm like, Ugh. a lot of anime, and let me tell you, I'm not, I'm not into that. So <laughs> that that'll be like a trap. Wait, wait, like what? Me... You you don't mean like Ghibli films though, do you? Yeah, no, I I just it's not part of my childhood. Oh really? Despite watching Ponyo in theaters. But, like, it's an aesthetic. It's an aesthetic thing that I've, mm. I've never... I like cartoons, just not that kind. That one's a bit... That one's, those ones are very good, though. I'm just not used to them, so mm. it's... And there's a lot. There's a lot that just because of Letterboxd and overlapping mm. audiences. Anyways, so I watched The Conjuring. What did I think of it? Oh, The Other Force was Maddie. Um, but uh, The uh, Conjuring uh, is a fine movie. Um, yeah. It's... I've seen some horror movies that I, I'm so, like, like, with horror movies, especially ones that are just meant to scare you, yeah. I do, like, pull away. 
I think it's The Conjuring is a very good example of a horror movie that's trying just to scare you. And yeah. I think like of the modern era, it's like one of the best examples of that kind it's, of horror movie. Even for someone like I was trying to say, yeah. like even for someone who is like detached by these sort of things, I was kind of like and like only loosely following along and sometimes closing my eyes when I knew I was gonna get scared. I was like, this is actually surprisingly well crafted. Yeah, I did not expect this level of like competence. In I love like a, I love the horror, James Wan you know? zoom. The James Wan yes. zoom is so fun. Yes, oh, I, yeah, I can yeah. think of a few of those. Yeah, yeah. Just like also the idea of those two weirdo people couple, the yeah. couple <laughs> having a room full of cursed objects. <laughs> yeah. What did you think was gonna happen? Yeah. What, like, like oh no, one yeah. escaped. Yeah, no shit. Like of course one did. Were you fucking yeah. stupid? Uh, anyways, so that, that movie was fine. Um, yeah. Wrapping it up here, I did watch the episode two of Loki at some point. I don't think I'm going to finish this season. I've got to yeah. be honest with you. Like, like <laughs> this is another example of like freeing myself from the shackles. I'll like see something out of like vague interest. You'll dip your but, toes like, in. But like if it's if it's yeah. not interesting to me, I'm not going to persist. And this yeah. is an example of like I actually I'm realizing I don't care and I don't think it's like as good as the previous one was or you know that's what my shackled mind thought you know yeah whatever yeah (laughs) like i it's not enough to keep me going also and i've i'm not the only person who's noticed this but like episode two starts in such a way that makes you feel like you've missed an episode like like (laughs) so many it's like wait what what did something happen yes but like if there's it starts with a character who I think was in the previous one, who I don't recognize. I don't recognize him from the first season. So, like, a character who might have been introduced in episode one, and he is now in a completely different context, and I could not tell if that was the same man. Yeah. I was like, he kind of looks like the same guy. Uh, I, and then they're it's also, so funny like... when shows do that. When, like, when yeah. it's expecting me to remember something, and I'm like, no. Oh, no. Bold of you yeah. to yeah. Yeah. remember yeah. that yeah. white guy's face. Yeah. Um, and then also, like, the last... The first season, the first episode ends with like Loki and Mobius in the TVA, no plan what to do, and like clearly like there's some things they need to resolve, mm-hmm. and then the episode opens and they are in 1970, and like <laughs> what, <laughs> what, what are you doing here? What is? Uh, so that was crazy. Uh, I watched the last Wes Anderson short, Poison. Um, this is maybe my f- second or third favorite. Hmm. Um, after so it'll go Swan, maybe Poison, maybe Henry Sugar, and then Rat Ratcatcher had like nothing for me. I did not, I didn't hmm. care for that one particularly. But Poison was fun, um, and I'm I'm realizing like I really like the 17 minute length ones. Hmm. Like those are the ones. Henry Sugar was a different type of thing. It's it's a different yeah. medium almost. There's a longer short film, a medium length film. Whereas these shorts, these true shorts at 17 minutes, I I really, really like those. So that was a good one. Nice. Did, okay. I was going to say, uh, how long is Ratcatcher? Huh? How long is the Ratcatcher one? Also 17. Oh, okay. The, the last three are 17. Okay. Um, also, I don't know. People said there's like an order to them. Wow. Yeah, I heard that too. But, for, but between the two I've seen, I was like, I didn't need to see these. I see all four and I, yeah. I don't know what the order was referring to. Yeah. Like... I think Henry Sugar is the obvious first one because it yeah. establishes 
what Roald Dahl is a narrator, yeah. and it just feels like the starting point. But yeah. after, like, the other three are, like, there's no relationship. <laughs> um, last thing after Rick, Catcher in the Rye, a book. Mm. That's right. I can we read. read. Yeah. Um, and I've re- I read it in high school, and I didn't think much of it. But mm. there was, like, an impulse in me recently. Like, I was like, I want to read that book again. Yeah. And, and I am, and I'm enjoying it. And I think it is a good book. And uh, I, yeah, I was actually, like, excited to read mm. A fiction book, which is rare. That's that. Have, mm. It's new for me. I haven't uh, felt that way in a while. Um, but that is f- that concludes my picks. How far into it are you? Um, I'm about halfway, but because no that one was a, spoil it. That was a book that I loved in high school. That was one where I knew a lot of people really were not fans of it, but I loved it in high school. Because it because um, it's like the character is like really negative and like the, yeah, the character's like, an asshole. But yeah. Yeah, and and so like a lot of people see that person and they're like, I hate having to live in this person's head, but like for the two of us, that's just it's like, oh, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding, but like, like she's I also just think like that, me like, for real. Yeah. 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 Uh, I do feel like if you see a little bit of yourself in holding Caulfield, yeah. no, it, I absolutely it's, did. Yeah. It's more illuminating than the people who are like yeah. super nice and don't like reading from like this person's. Because he's an asshole, but, like, if yeah. you're, like, a little bit of an asshole, it's, like, oh, he, yeah, he's so yeah. me for FR. One of the Anyways. one of the dumb one of the dumb criticisms I saw of that book, I saw someone saying, like, yeah, like, he needs therapy. And it's, like, that's how that book ends. He goes to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, he is writing the book from therapy. That is Or also just, is. like, yeah. Yeah. He yeah. Does <laughs> yeah. Excellent point. Yeah. yeah. Not a problem. Good a point, yeah. Book. That's actually, I think, illuminate, like, yeah, that means it's a good book. <laughs> yeah, it means, I feel yeah. that way. Yeah. Anyways, uh, okay. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I'm just I've been on my horror movie grind. I watched a '90s uh, Japanese horror movie called Cure by Kiyoshi Kurosawa. I unfortunately was also very tired watching this and fell asleep oh! for part of it. I, right around the same part, it's something about like the second third of two thirds of the way into a movie is just that's that's bedlam for me. It's like may, 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 an emphasis on the bed because I'm going to sleep. But yeah, I like, like I, uh, nice. yeah, so I can't, I didn't even rate it because like I don't, I literally, I saw the ending of the movie and I was like, I have no idea what this means. I cannot, I could not tell you what just happened. Uh, so it looked, it was very good from what I saw though. So I, I'm going to rewatch it. Uh, I watched the Blair Witch Project. I think this is an incredible movie. Just so like. This is like the pinnacle of well, this is the best found footage film I've seen. It knows so well what it is. Um, it's I think it's the first one, if I'm not mistaken, unless there was like a little bit of experimentation before then. This was the first like big found footage one. Yeah. Um, it's very smart about like it just knows that the point of this is that we don't know anything that the characters don't know, and we cannot see anything they don't know, and we actually know less. Like, so it's this idea of a balancing of perspectives that is both very subjective and in the character's point of view, but also there's some distance because there are points that, like, we just don't get to see what they're seeing because they don't have the camera pointed at the right thing. And, like, I just think this movie understands it so well. I think it's very scary and very good. Yeah, that's a movie that, like, I've had a growing realization that I am probably going to have to see that movie. And I'm dreading it because you it might, looks, you might not I, think it's that scary. scary. It, okay, I, I hope it, so. But it depends. I know people have different reactions to it. Some people think it's very boring. 
Because, like, oh. a good chunk of the movie is, like, there's there's things that are scary that are happening, but, like, it de- just depends on your mindset. It might not be scary. It's just not... It's not witchy action all the time, but, is what I'm saying. Bathsheba versus Blair Witch. Which do you witch mean? Do you mean Pazuzu? Worse? No, because Bathsheba is the one from The Conjuring. I'm referring to Oh, Bashiba. Oh, Pazuzu is the exorcist. I like Pazuzu. I do think yeah. Pazuzu is an excellent name for a demon. Yeah. <laughs> Very funny. Yeah. Pazuzu. Uh, Bashiba. I don't remember Bashiba well enough. I don't know that. Her the main thing of... is sitting on top of armoires, mm. on dressers, and, cl- and clapping behind people's and heads. Clapping, yes. Uh, oh, I think that's yeah. her ghost, her army of suicidal ghosts. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember the ins and outs of that movie well enough. Uh, Blair Witch is. I think Blair Witch is scarier than The Conjuring, but that's a very subjective thing. Okay. Uh, I watched another movie that I guess this is a horror movie. Uh, it's listed in the Criterion Channel as a horror movie, and it is spooky. But it's Hour of the Wolf by Ingmar Bergman. Uh, this is a director who I have I'd only seen The Seventh Seal prior to this, um, and I didn't like The Seventh Seal that much. Like I watched it, and I was just like. That was a movie where I was like, where I was like, I I don't, and it was also like, I didn't think I, I didn't get it. Like, if I'm being honest, Mm -hmm. I just didn't get it. I was like, I understand there's like something about morality, like he's playing chess with death and like souls and I just didn't get it. This movie I loved. I loved Hour of the Wolf. I mean, like this is a type of filmmaking that is right up my alley. Like this very concerned with like the composition of people within the frame. Like, yeah, insane emphasis on composition. Um, like especially like i've read some people saying that like it starts slow like the first half is really slow and it feels kind of like a different movie but i actually think like the sorrow and of the first one is really important the sorrow of the first half is really important and it sets you up for what the movie uh will wind up being i think this movie like doesn't reveal itself too hard at all but really touches on a lot of things and i think it's really gorgeously photographed too uh so i would definitely recommend it yeah, thinking back on the Seventh Seal, I don't. I mean, I haven't seen much Bergman. Maybe that might be my only Bergman as well. But um, I, I don't know if that's the right choice as like an intro to Bergman. Like, yeah, it doesn't feel, feel right, like, does it? I feel like a lot of his movies, and it's not the only one that kind of goes in surrealist elements. But so many are actually quite like um, not mundane, but just like real, like kind of mm. average life. And that one is quite like. Out well, our, Again, Hour of the Wolf is a little surrealist, especially towards oh, the end. Kind but it, it kind of like the first half or so isn't really, and so yeah, it. But yeah, it, it's a little wacky. But yeah, I I really like this one. I think I've also just my taste is a little different. Like I think if I watch the Seven Seal now, I'd probably feel differently about it. Um, okay. But yeah, that's Sometimes what I watched. It do be like that. Uh, next week. Oh shit. Um... Uh, okay, yeah, next week, uh, the two that I see on my calendar, I had to turn around, are uh, Fincher's The Killer oh. um, and Alexander Payne's The Holdovers. Between the, I'm probably going to go Fincher. If I'm going to go Fincher, out. yeah. I'm a Finch head. I like Fincher. Self-diagnosed Finch head. Um, so I'm actually, that's, I'm very excited for that because I have such a mixed review of some of Fincher's mm-hmm. fo- like filmography, some I fucking love, and then others I'm like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like Mank, you love like, Mank. I don't love Mank. I like Mank. 
You're um, a mank head. I like mank You're more than girl with the dragon head. tattoo. And I like mank more yeah, than I, zodiac, which is people hate that. that and those, those are the ones that I, I would disagree. I'm kind yeah. of more classic, uh, classic mank, classic Finch. Um, well, I like F- fight club and seven. I think are great. I like those ones. Yeah. They are great. Um, what I will say though, is what I've heard about the killer. This is interesting to me is that this one is like kind of like autobiographical in a way. Not, not that Fincher was a killer, the fact right. that he like it's a it's like about him in a like con- like context or subtextual way mm. it's a a professional who is like highly obsessive about his work and refuses to become attached and have like feelings and is forced to like have feelings at work or something mm. and yeah. like contending with that and like we all know like Fincher's like obsessive like takes. 57 takes yeah like I'm interested to see this that kind I'm of like adds to. it adds more to like the the behind the scenes and so yeah interested this has been a very long episode very long we're uh, back to we're back to our true form back hey, to the old days three and a half hour <laughs> movie gotta give you some time to, yeah. uh, to go off here so uh if you like us check us out on Instagram and Twitter at predator v movies uh, if you like my thoughts on movies check me out on letterboxd at underscore alice gordon underscore i leave reviews sometimes uh you can also check me out on letterbox i'm 810 sunny that's 810 s-o-n-n-y my name is wombo i also leave reviews sometimes though they are few and far between peter doesn't have anything to plug because he is not here which means that you have to leave a review or a comment or a star rating better be five or Uh, you die that's the deal (laughs) yeah uh sucks i know yeah, that, that is deal, rough yeah but uh you kind of have to do it so uh yeah do yeah. it now i mean give it review uh, us you don't want to die review. uh but uh if you're still with us next week if you've left a comment or, or whatever and you're still with us uh we will see you next week uh th- i'm i'm alex i'm aiden no peter and no peter and this was predator, predator versus movies, movies. Woo, pew, pew, pew. Beep, 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 beep.